Today is Thursday, August 24th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Today, let's talk about the Ethiopian Bible, the Book of Enoch, the Apocrypha, you know, why should or should not someone read it? Um, is it going to make them burst into flames? Is it going to lead them into heresy? Maybe. Uh, why don't we have it in our Bible? For those reasons. The heresy one, maybe not the flame one. And then we talked to some people... <laughs> With, like, the British invasion showing up, um, a couple of Brits, uh, anyways, they are, one of them is looking for a church uh, to go to in England that would be biblically uh, aligned, and we try to help them navigate through that and picking a proper church in England. And uh, then we talk about what does Jesus mean by the sign of Jonah, as if it's not self-explanatory, we go ahead and explain that. And then we talk about gay stuff with a very angry gay guy. Um, perhaps not, but, you know, I'm just assuming he's... He's definitely very angry, and I'm assuming he's very gay. Anyway, uh, not that I hate the guy because of that. Don't hate anyone. Won't treat anyone different. Um, it's more of his anger issues that uh, lead to the abrupt end in our conversation because he gets more and more irate, I, I guess because he he wanted to be persecuted and he wasn't getting the persecution he, he wanted. Anyway, so we talk about a lot about the modern culture and indoctrination, and there are people atheists, liberal, who disagree with that. And like, it's not happening. It's totally not happening. No one wants to have sex with your kids. No one wants to indoctrinate your kids. No one wants to make your kids gay or trans. It's like, show me your examples. And then we spend like the next 40 minutes of <laughs> copying and pasting examples into chat and posting articles and, you know, talking about examples and laws and bills from California to United Nations. And they're like, oh, <laughs> and, and they all of a sudden get a lot quieter. I'm like, bro, look, it's in front of your face. Like, you're just, like, saying, like, don't believe your eyes. Listen to me say it's not happening while you're watching everything happening. So from the strip club, G-string, like, drag person with a kid putting, like, money in the trans or drag person's G-string to, you know, the trans ideology being pushed in, in uh, elementary primary school, um, all these other things going on. Like, uh, Toronto, Canada Pride Day, where, like, naked people are running up and down the street shaking their drunken kids' faces. Like, no, no, don't believe your eyes. That's totally not happening. I see you. You have a video there. Ignore that video. It does not exist. These are not the droids you're looking for. Um, the force, uh, there's no amount of force that would need to be with them enough to convince people of that. Um, anyway, so that is the cause of the backlash in lots of the elementary school boards, and uh, y there's just no denying it. There, There is no denying it. Either people have legitimately got their head in the sand and they haven't talked to anyone in like five years, or they are intentionally being deceitful and they know what's going on, um, and they just don't care enough to make a stir about it. Anyways, whatever. People's reasons are their own. All right, that's fun. So check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon, and you can check out the Ask a Christian store, grab a t-shirt, support the podcast, and share these links. We will see you later. Good morning, G. How far are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. I hope that everyone is good as well. I just wanted to ask about something similar to what you guys were talking about yesterday. So a while ago, somebody had said to me that, oh gosh, we also need to include some of the apocrypha. So, because well, because of the Ethiopian, what is wrong with my, I can't talk, <laughs> the Ethiopian Bible, and they're claiming that it's one of the oldest. And like a quick Google search showed me that it's not, it's not the oldest, but 
yeah, what do I say to them? Like, do we subscribe to um, things like the Book of Enoch and Maccabees, or is that it? Well, the easy answer is, yeah. I mean, if someone wants to grab an Ethiopian Bible, fine, do that. Like, unless they're, you know, prone to just go wild off the rails, they're, I mean, it's not going to do much for them. Like, all the, all the juicy stuff is already in the 66 books canon. So all the stuff about Jesus, the resurrection, salvation, like anything you need pertinent to the message of Christianity, you've got in the 66 book version. The, what you're going to get in the Ethiopian Bible is stuff that was never included in anyone's canon, like Enoch. Like that, that was never included in the Torah. It was, it was just never scripture. Uh, but if they want to read it and, you know, they're not predisposed to like crazy stuff like aliens and, you know, giants and things like that, um, it's probably fine. If they are disposed to, predisposed to that kind of stuff, they're probably going to join a cult. But I mean, you know, if, if the normal person uh, just reads the book of Enoch, you may have some questions about some giants. Um, you know, what are the Nephilim? But you'll be like, okay, well, that's not a big deal. So I'm just going to move on. Um, all the other stuff in the Apocrypha, it's, it's not, again, <laughs> unless you're predisposed to crazy stuff and latch on to like one or two verses that talk about paying alms for the dead, which Catholics derive, you know, entire doctrine out of. Um, you know, if you're just a normal person reading it, you'd be like, oh, that's interesting. That doesn't line up with the entire rest of the scripture. So, you know, we're going to set that one aside. Um, then you'll be just fine. So, yeah, the, I mean, my answer usually is just read it. You're going to see really, really quick. It's not doing a lot spiritually for you. And at best, it's just unneeded information that is irrelevant. And at worst, you're going to latch on to like one or two crazy verses and fall into like a cult. Um <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I've read the book of, um, I've read the Ethiopian Bible. I have the Ethiopian Bible. And yeah, more than anything, it's just super boring because so much of it is is non-spiritual, non-Jesus, non-Bible stuff. It's, it's like, you know, the Maccabees. It's like, who's killing who this week? And like, you know, what Persian king is doing what ungodly thing this week? It's just like very little about even God or like less about Jesus. So yeah, that's my answer. It's like, look, it's not a secret. I mean, you can read it free on the internet. So yeah, like I, I think to the normal person, you'll see real quick why this stuff isn't in the canon. Um, not that it's like, you know, terribly contradictory or anything like that, just that it's wholly unre unrelated. It has like little to nothing to do with like Jesus and the apostles and stuff like that. What do you think about that, Chris? Uh, yeah, and... I mean, some of it is flatly contradictory. Like the book of Tobit, you'll see where God orders Tobit, the supposed prophet that actually never existed, um, where God orders Tobit to lie. So it's like, you know, and the book of Tobit is also where they get this nonsense about purgatory from, in addition to some of the other apocrypha. The book of Enoch we know is pseudepigrapha. It was clearly not written by Enoch. Um I mean, it's just what it what it serves to do is that it gives the critics of the scripture ammunition because the apocrypha are not even remotely close to the same standards as the rest of scripture of the 66 books. And so when you take those two into comparison, then it's really easy to say, well, Moses didn't write, you know, the Torah look, Enoch didn't write Enoch. Um, and they're two completely different stories. And so the canonicity of the Torah is beyond question 
And I think that the Mosaic authorship is beyond question, although liberal scholars would disagree with me. Um, you know, it, it just, it's useless, like Nate is saying. It's like a left-handed steak knife or, you know, going to find a package of grid squares. It's just not needed. I agree with Chris. Hey, Sean, did you ever get asked to go find a package of grid squares? That's a military thing. Uh, but gee, so your question was uh, your question was like, how how do you answer your friend? Was was that right? Like you, sorry, it didn't mean to give you like a history lesson, but so so the actual question was your friend was saying like, why don't you use this or this stuff is totally needed or your your actual question was how do you answer your friend about why you don't use this? Is that what your question was? Yeah, because we were having a discussion and he um, sent me a scripture from. I think, well, actually, I don't remember the name of the book, but I thought, okay, I've never heard of that book before. So I checked and it's part of the Apocrypha. So I said to him, I don't think we should take this as scripture because it's not in the canon. And then he was just like, well, the Catholics, <laughs> the Catholics took certain books out of the Bible and X, Y, and Z. So, yeah, I just yeah. wanted to know in case it came up again. Because I don't want so him I, to be what, what's your most what's your most concise answer, Chris? Mine would be it's not needed, it's not relevant, and then just say that in a polite way. What, so, what's your most concise answer? So my so I would I would just start asking questions. So like, why was the apocrypha not included in the canon until the Council of Trent in the 1500s? That would be the first question I would ask them. The second question I would ask them is, um, you know why did the Jews not include all of those books in their canon, um, which is where the early church got the Old Testament canon? They will deny that. And, they, and then they have further problems with how we got the canon because they believe in nonsense propaganda that's made up. They, they have a bunch of, so Catholics have a bunch of facts that they just made up and they've been telling the lie so long that they'll go back and be like, see, these guys in the 700s said this stuff. You know, and you're like, yeah, but they made it up 400 years before and they just kept repeating the lie. And it's like, you know, because when you go back further, then you find out like, oh, like none of that is true. Um, so that's that's my most concise answer is that it's all built on lies and subterfuge and um, just nonsense. Well, there you go. That's sure to end a friendship. <laughs> Just kidding. Thank you. Well, and most people, look, most Catholics don't understand that most of their doctrine is just made up nonsense. Like, they just, they, they think it's true because the church says it, and it has to do with authority. Like, purgatory is found nowhere in Scripture. Um, the, the bodily assumption of Mary is found nowhere in, nowhere in Scripture. And you can't find anybody before the year, like, 500 that even talked about the bodily assumption of Mary. And then it was even like ridiculed as a silly doctrine. Um, you know, like it, it, just these ideas that we anachronize all of these things back into the early church. I, I was just saying this morning um, that whenever somebody makes the statement, the early church believed the next sentence that follow, the next fragment of that sentence that follows that will be a falsehood because the early church believed 
did not have a monolithic belief about anything, like literally anything except maybe the deity of Christ. And even then, most of the early church was Arian and believed that Christ was a created being. So, I mean, this nonsense that the early church all believed the same thing is just, it's just propaganda silliness. Well, it's like, uh, and hey, Catherine, by the way, welcome. It's been a long time since I've seen you. Hope all is well. But <clears throat> I mean, it's like a slightly less heretical version of like what, what baptized would do. It's like, you know, whenever they, you know, they'll try to explain a position like, you know, the perpetual virginity of Mary, right? Or something like that. Uh, I'm like, where do you even get this? And it was like something like so far away. It's like, you know, crying tears for salvation because of John the Baptist. So it, it's like, uh, you know, the Lord says, uh, you know, she's blessed among all people and she's found favor with God. Therefore, perpetual version. Like, what? Like, it, it's, I, I just can't get that out of my head, like, knowing baptize. Like, yeah, I mean, it's like slightly, like, like jumping to uh, slightly less, but still very, very far away conclusions based on things that don't make any sense. I don't know. That's, that's the sense I get. It's, it's frustrating people don't see it. And then they'll be like, oh, it's frustrating to us that you're so blinded. I'm like, okay, well, whatever. Um, I find it ironic, Nate, that the thing that draws most Protestants into Catholicism or Orthodoxy is that they'll start with church history and they'll be like, wow, I never knew any of this stuff about church history. And the version of church history that they're getting is so laughably inaccurate and made up that like, I mean, it's to anybody who actually takes the primary sources and reads those, like it's hilarious. It's like hilariously bad how bad Catholic and Orthodox propaganda is. And what's worse is how hilariously bad Protestant teaching is to the point where they buy it, where we buy into it. We're just like, oh, that sounds totally plausible. Like I, I have friends on here that are Protestants that are very well read that believe in the perpetual virginity of Mary because they have no idea where it came from. And they're just completely ignorant about it because they're ignorant Protestants. Well, and then we have to like pick up the pieces, like because even, you know, non non uh, non religious people will cite Catholics, Catholic stuff as part of their crusade against, you know, the God of the Bible. I'm like, this has nothing to do with me. Like, why is that? It's lots of lots of people. I, I forget the predominant region or countries, but I, I don't know. I guess a little bit of like Islamic places, but is I don't know, like Islamic territories or like North Africa or somewhere like that. But it's like people from that geography always want to like, you know, talk about their problems with church fathers and cite quotes of church fathers and like all this Catholic doctrine. Like, bro, I agree with you. The Pope is, you know, the Pope or the church fathers or whatever, they say some wacky stuff and they're not my, they're not my authority. They're not my leader. And they're like, what, what? So it's like, you know, they say all this stuff and then we have to pick up the pieces um, and defend Christianity by like countering uh, that, you know, Catholic doctrine is not what we believe. And when someone talks about the early church, they're like, well, what about the early church? I'm like, are you talking about the first century church that we find in the Bible? Talk about that early church. If it's not that, I don't care because, you know, what you said. But it's like, oh, the early church, I mean, in the, in the, you know, the third century, I don't care. I don't care. Like if it's a, if you start your sentence with this church father, I don't care. Uh, anyway, so like any reference to the early church, it would be great if they'd say something like from the early church mentioned in the Bible. Yeah, I mean, I was also saying this one. I had a long conversation with um, 
Matt and Lee and those guys. And I was also saying that I'm on a church history kick again. Um, I'm, I'm reading more granular early church history. The more early church history that I read, the more I am convinced that the institution of the church, now I'm not talking about individual believers or individual churches. I'm talking about the institution of the church was so thoroughly corrupt and led by Satan from the 150s forward that like, I mean, basically the job of the early church was to murder Christians. Like, I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. Hey, good adult. Michael, I'll come right back to you, but I, I think good adult maybe had something they wanted to say about this conversation. If you did. Uh, not per se the conversation, but uh, I did have a morning question when you have a moment. Oh, okay. Let me say hi to Michael real fast then. Hello, Michael. Good morning. Hey, hey. What, what, well? We find ourselves in, in, in a level of agreement again. Um, I, of course, I have to expound on it. Nate, I agree with what you said when anyone starts a sentence with, you know, the church fathers say, um, yeah, I agree with you. But then you also have to say when somebody says the Bible says. Um, so there's your, there's your bit of morning. Shots heresy. fired. There's your bit of morning heresy. Um, but the, the other thing I just want to say quickly before I, before I lose track of it is, Chris, I had a chance to look up what we were talking about yesterday about the indigenous issues in Canada. Um, yeah. Don't know where you got your information from, but it's bunk. Um my yeah, information uh, came from a direct television interview where I saw the dude actually from the tribe say they didn't find anything. So it's not bunk. Right. So, yeah. So I can, I can, I'll share a link with you from National Post that actually has a letter from the tribe, uh, from the chief of the tribe. Um, uh, yes. Uh, uh, National Post, CTV, CBS, uh, CTV, Global News all have the same story from the same week, uh, approximately eight months ago. And I'm not an investigative journalist by any sense, but they all kind of say the same thing. Uh, and and what the uh, what the elder from the from the tribe actually says is, um, we were like we're not saying that they tried to uh, have mass graves. That was never alleged, uh, at least by the tribe. It wasn't alleged. Um, and what happened was is that there were certain members of the media that took it and spun it and ran with it. And it seems that in in this way. I think I agree with you and that you are correct in that that spun up a lot of um, vitriol mm -hmm. that, was, that was unleashed on, uh, on people of faith for bad reasons. But there were, so there weren't mass graves. There weren't even concealed graves, but there were hundreds of unmarked graves. And so anyway, I don't want to kind of side rail of this again, but yeah. it, was, it, it was a different spin. It was a different spin on, on I think so. But, but anyway, I can, I can send you the information. If you're interested. Yeah, you can send me the link. But, but basically what I'm talking about is like literally like a week ago just happened where the ones that they thought were the most egregious from the ground penetrating radar came up to be a septic field and the, the chief of the tribe was completely like flummoxed because they were a hundred percent certain or 99.9% .9 certain they were going to find a bunch of bodies and they literally just found rocks. And how bad would it be if uh, Chris sent links to his tribal source and Michael sent links from his tribal source and because of the disagreement that maybe both tribal sources were not aware of, um, then they, uh, uh, Chris, get a mute. You got some feedback. 
<laughs> both tribal sources may, may have not been aware of each other's position. And it started like this tribal fight and this like civil war broke out because of you white devils. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, the, the hard, like, uh, the, the one thing is that, like, the, we, like, we are in agreement, like, I'm in agreement with Chris that re- regardless of, regardless of the crimes that may have happened, the suitable response is not to burn down churches. There are suitable responses. I'm in agreement with Chris that that's not one of them. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. my response to that would simply be that the alleged crimes are not as widespread and systemic as alleged. And that, you know, no one denies that there were unmarked graves because one of the very first things that was said was that the grave markers were, you know, ephemeral to start with, that they were wooden grave markers in many cases that would have decayed in the Canadian, you know, climate extremely quickly. And so, Yes, no one, no one said there, there were not unmarked graves, um, that they were previously marked. The contention from the press, and again, I don't know what the Indian tribes were specifically saying, or native tribes, or whatever, whatever they're called in Canada, I don't know. Um, the, whether or not they said that they were, you know, uh, all marked graves or an unmarked graves or whatever their contention was, the press was running with that there are thousands of basically hidden graves that were to cover the crimes of the the Catholics. And I think that that is the that is the myth that has now been dispelled. No one no one says that there were not deaths. Um, everyone so the media knows blew that. stuff up for ratings. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, there's two questions. Good adult, and then Catherine had a question. Good adult, what's up? What is your morning question? Uh, your mind is based off uh, scripture in Isaiah. If you can give your understanding there, Nate, of Isaiah, let's see here, um, uh, 51 and 12. Um, I have, actually have a connecting verse with it, but uh, be that as it may, I was looking to get your understanding of Isaiah 51 and 12. Do you, do you want to read it? I mean, I guess I can if you need to. Yeah, no problem. It says, "I even I am the comfort. Um, I even I am He that comforteth you. Who art thou, that thou shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die, but of the Son of Man which shall be made as grass?" Yeah, let me read without reading version. I'm sorry. What did Go you ahead. just? You want to read a what? I'm going to read it in a better version. Um, I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies and the son of man who is made like grass? So this this entire verse is just talking about like God is our comfort and why would we be afraid of somebody who can only kill the body and somebody who is going to die similarly to ourselves? That's all that's saying. So, like, addressing issues about, like, uh, people who are worrying and fearful and stuff like that, like, instead turn to God, who's kind of, like, master over all that stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because remember, in Isaiah 40 through 60, this is the trial of the gods, right? So, this is this is the context within those um, chapters, is that Isaiah is comparing foreign gods to Yahweh. There's an actual dissertation on this. Um 
where uh, someone submitted a dissertation about apologetics in the Old Testament, and they posture Isaiah's, um, you know, this particular section of Isaiah as Old Testament apologetics, where he's defending the authenticity and sovereignty of Yahweh against, you know, the claims that these other gods are somehow valid. So I think that's cool that you brought it up, because it's something I had to study for my doctorate. And uh, good at all, you, you asked in the chat what makes a version better. Um, yeah, that, I'm going to go out on a yeah, and say it makes it easier to read. Uh-huh. Uh, that, was, that was not, yeah. Um, so just, Nate, so in that regard to the breakdown, I'm assuming you were in, in lock and step with there with Chris's understanding. Um, would I be fair for me to leave with the understanding that this verse in contrast with, um, forgive me, it's not from me right now, where it states, and I will send a comforter speaking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, when I see that verse there, uh, is it, would it be fair for me to leave this conversation with the understanding that there can be more than one comforter, or rather, I should I say, I can find comfort in God as well as the Holy Spirit. If I left them left this conversation with that understanding, that they, would I be correct? And you know? the Holy Spirit is God. <clears throat> right. Sorry, so so again, here's I, the I, thing. I missed your, your phone broke up for a second. There. What, can, can I, I said the Holy Spirit is God. So, and it sounds like Christmas is saving something too, but we hear him breathing. Which is kind of unsettling. Sorry, but, uh, yeah, I must and, have had the yeah. phone really close. My bad. <laughs> yeah, so so we believe the Holy Spirit is God, and and I was also thinking like a, a better verse to liken that to would be like this is talking about comfort and peace and why worry. And is it Jesus? I think it's Jesus himself that says something about this, right? That says, um, oh, someone help me out on that verse, but it's basically the one that says, you know, why why do you worry about this and why do you worry about clothes and food and all this other stuff? Like you know, uh, the birds and animals don't worry about this stuff, and they're having like God already knows what they need and he takes care of them. How much more does your heavenly father like, you know, know what you need and take care of you. So, you know, why worry? Um, I would say that would be a better verse, even though I'm butchering it um, to liken to this. It's, it's a new Testament version of exactly what Isaiah is talking about. But yeah, uh, to, to the question though, you asked about the Holy spirit, the Holy spirit is God. Uh, you you want to respond quick and then Chris will say whatever he said. No, no, no. I appreciate your, um, I appreciate your answer. And, and uh, Chris, the problem ahead. the problem that you're running into, sir, is that you are using the exact word fallacy here. It's a uh, logical I fallacy. A, I don't have a problem. I only, only pose a question. There's no problem. Well, uh, you're a modalist, so your point being in reading this I've verse and trying point. to All I had was a question. Yeah, I know. I, I, but we're reading between the lines based on previous conversations with you. Um, so the idea here when is you say we or who you speak, you're speaking for others or you are reading between the lines or we, who's the we? That would be me and Nate and apostle and other apostle, like all the Christians on the stage. Oh, you're that have had I, previous I, I, I didn't know you were speaking for them. All right, go ahead, Chris. All right. My back. I mean, they are grown men. They can speak for themselves. Well, you're but... speaking for them. You said we. Oh irrelevant. goodness. Just get yeah. to the content. Let get of the... The oh my one. goodness. Just get to the Hang on, forget all the personal slights and modalists and whatever. Just what is the point you're making, Chris? So the point I'm making is that the word nacham is um, used throughout the Old Testament in terms of being given rest, um, being given comfort. Uh, Genesis 5.29, Genesis 6.6 can also be used for repenting. So again, the, the Hebrew language is complex and beautiful. And they use the same words to mean completely different things based on the context, just like English. 
Um, the idea here that somehow John 16 and the Greek word used for comforter there somehow relates back to Isaiah um, 51, 12 is simply the exact word fallacy. So you're taking comforter from an English version, you're matching it with the word comforter from the English version of a Greek word. You're mixing them up and saying, see, God is the comforter. So therefore, there's no Holy Spirit. It's just God putting on a different suit. And I'm going to make my modalist point with this. Was that the nature of the question, if you're being honest? To suggest that to suggest that if I'm being honest would mean that if I say anything other than no, that was not the motive of the question, then you would qualify me as a liar, which would be your assumption and not mine, because you don't trust that what I'm saying is truthful to you because of your own predisposition. I'm suggesting I only came up on stage to ask Nate a question, and I appreciate it. So, so you're going to be dishonest about it. But. And I appreciate that. So to be fair, if Baptized or Bob, knowing all their you know nutty views, if they come up and they didn't respond with their like arguments or debates and there's like what do you think about john 1 1 and they're like jesus is god and they're like so you think jesus is the word i'm like yes and if they're just like well thank you for your answer and and i mean great like i'm not going to call them out for being heretics or i'm not going to call them out for being like a universe uh, you know whatever he is unitarian universalist or whatever um you know because it's irrelevant so you know who knows Mike? maybe he's like hearing what we're saying it's going to like sink into his thick skull uh, not you but like one of these other people we're talking about um, but I mean, you know, if they start like challenging it, like, oh, you're wrong because here, let me preach and let me educate you. Well, then I, I think, you know, then I'll which, I anyways, do, which I did not do, which I did not do, which I appreciate. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that, that's uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, Catherine, do you feel lucky? <laughs> Chris, check my comment in the chat. <laughs> Catherine, are you there? Or is she still on the phone? Or... Chris, you're going to scare people away from asking questions. Catherine, in three, two, one. Alfred, what's up? Or Michael, did you and your wife get matching tattoos on your vacation? Is that what that is? No, we didn't get them on our vacation. We got them prior to our vacation. Um, yeah, it's, it's basically representative of our vacation. So there's mountain, um, surf, and, and sunshine. Yeah. Um, we've been wanting to get them for a while, but we never, we, we, didn't, we couldn't find anything that we that were both like, oh, yeah, we really like that. And I got to the point where I was like, babe, pick something. And because um, she was much more discerning than I was, I'm just like, you know, you know, I've got, you know, I've got a Darwin fish on my body. I'll put almost anything on it. Um, you so, can talk her into getting a snake tattoo. Uh, it's, it, um, it's funny. I, so, so the arm that that's on, I'm, I'm actually working on finishing a sleeve. And I've got, uh, I've got pictures of the individual scale patterns of my snakes that I'm going to have put on. And then because I have the, the I showed, I sent you the picture of the Dungeons and Dragons ampersand that I have on my upper arm. So it's going to, it's going to transition from snake scales to dragon scales. Oh my gosh. Okay. I, I, I see Catherine's ready to speak now, but Michael, if you got yourself like tattooed, like head to toe with like scales, then you could take the, the role of the serpent from Genesis. Because you'd be like a, a lizard serpent person. Ooh. He'd even get his tongue split like the, that, that oh. body mod. Oh. Yeah but, there's a cool? yeah, but there's a difference, guys. There's a difference. I'm, I'm real. The snake, uh, the snake from the, the Bible is just made up. Yeah, you know. And what if the snake from the Bible was just Satan with a really convincing tattoo? Then you would be wrong all these years for saying, 
snakes can't talk when in reality it was like a total dude with really convincing tattoos and dye just saying um, all right Catherine, <laughs> how are you doing you'd, really hey. be adding, you'd be adding to the text there but okay we can discuss this <laughs> Catherine. Hi. Oh, thank you so much for the time. It's good to be in the room. I, I know I haven't been on Clubhouse for a long time. I just feel, felt like I needed some some God chat, you know. Um, so I have a question. Um, I I was um, looking into possibly going into some kind of ministry uh, with my church. So I go to what they call an Anglican church, which is Church of England, which is Protestant. And I went along for these chats and the idea is that you sort of chat with the vicar and you kind of like trying to work out what your calling is really and what your purpose is. In the process, um, the vicar came to the conclusion, she's a lovely lady and very discerning, so I kind of think she probably is right. They came to the conclusion that I'm probably not a good fit for the Church of England. And part of the reason is that I'm quite evangelical. Um, and that isn't what the Church of England are looking for. So in my journey, I'm now starting to question what would be a good fit for my personality. So my question to you guys and anyone in the room who might be able to help, how do you determine which church you're going to choose to join? Because I appreciate that we don't just choose a church where we agree with everything, the vicar says, because that's not going to happen. I appreciate that we have to have grace when there are certain decisions made that we don't necessarily agree with personally. But I don't know, I'm just really stuck. And I started to look into evangelical, I started to look into Baptist, I've started to look, and then it gets in the way of my actual faith. Does that make sense? Uh, so the answer, yeah. the short answer is Ouija boards. We use Ouija boards. <laughs> Uh, that would be a big no from me. Oh, oh, so, oh, so, so while Chris contemplates uh, his real answer, <laughs> Chris, in your most godly, respectful way, let your tongue speak forth. Uh, while you think about that, um, while you think about that, uh, yeah, Catherine, uh, is it Catherine or Catherine? I can't remember. I know, I know, we had this discussion like months ago when you were here. Is it Catherine? Uh, Catherine. Okay, I, I thought I got corrected. I couldn't remember which way. Anyways. <laughs> So, Catherine, um, I, I would say for me, and I think everyone, the goal is to be as to stay as close to the Bible as possible. Um, yeah. So the Bible has everything we need. So whenever we more is not always better. So when we find churches that have, they're like, you know, the Bible's fine. But we also have thousands or hundreds of years of tradition and doctrine, all the stuff built up on the Bible, um, which, you know, everyone has doctrine. Um, so, so everyone's going to take Bible verses and, you know, build stuff out of that. So for me, I believe the goal is to find the, the group of people who do that the least. So have the mm. least amount of stuff piled on top of the Bible. So if you get into like other writings and other like, you know, I don't know the Church of England, like if they have their church father equivalent or whatever. But by the time we start taking this stuff and like tradition and tradition of men on top of the word of God, um, mm. I, I try to like get, you know, get all of that away. So I think like, you know, you're, you're typical evangelical, if we mean the same things as we do in the UK by that, like evangelical, Baptists, like the, these groups or these denominations, I think while they still have their doctrines and things like that, that would be, in my humble opinion, the goal, which I, I'm not Baptist, so, you know, whatever. But I mean, mm -hmm. that, that would be kind of the goal because they have the least amount of stuff built up on top of the Bible. Um, so yeah. that's, that's just what I, um, 
what I would think for a starting point. And now Chris will say with gentleness and respect uh, whatever he's going to say. No, I mean, you're on the right track. I mean, if the Church of England is, like, telling you, like, please go somewhere else, like, I've, I've just never heard of that before. That's kind of... no, they've, not, they've not actually said that. But I think okay. the, the point is, is that um, my personality and my my beliefs and, and, and how I like to worship and how I like to just doesn't suit the Church of England. Um, I've always wow. thought that was wild. Right, that is kind of wild, right? I mean, I, well, I'm not criticizing you at all. Like, I, you know, I, I, I would probably be in the same boat. Um, I would say, um, looking at all the different faith traditions, try and find yourself, um, you know, a a Baptist church, but you have to be really careful with Baptist churches in the UK. Um, there's going to be two different stripes. There's going to be one stripe that's going to be, you know, the rainbow flag Baptist church, um, of which most in the UK are going to be that stripe. Um, and then there's going to be the more evangelical type. And so I would, I don't know where you're at in, in England, if it's London or whatever. I know that, um, there's a couple of other Brits that live, you know, in Britain somewhere, um, that we can hook you up with that would know about what the local church scene is in your area. Mm-hmm. And then you could ask them questions and then they would be able to steer you in the right place. Yeah, that would be good, actually. The joke in the Church that... of England is that you don't actually have to believe in God. That's optional. Oh. Uh, gee, I don't know where you are exactly, but I know you were having a tough time finding a church that it was kind of what we're talking about, too. Did you did you find such group or church, G? Or are you, does the search still go on? To be honest, I stayed in my same church because at first... I went to a really, really, really bad church in terms of what people were doing, you know, worshipping the pastor and things like that. This church that I'm in now, I don't agree with a few things doctrinally, but other than that, I have no issue. But I think if anything crazy happens, then, yeah, I would have to move. But I would say as well, Catherine, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um... Apparently, the Church of England are using gender-neutral pronouns for God, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm having a bit of an issue with that. Um. <laughs> you know, as bad as, as bad as this sounds, because, I, I mean, in England, like, you know, there's some pretty heavy laws, right, like, about what you can say and can't say, and, like, you know, if, if, you're, if you would be, like, a church that, that is biblically accurate and very outspoken about it, perhaps that would be, like, I don't know, getting into like legal trouble. So, so it may be really difficult to find, but like I would kind of reverse engineer this <clears throat> as I, as I cough and choke and die. Um, so please hear what I'm saying. Um, but I would almost Google like churches in the news uh, that, that have made news where in your area for being hate filled and bigoted um, mm. because, you know, even though they may be called that like in the press, and yeah, people yeah, yeah. who, you know, say any disagreement is automatically hate Nazis, bigot. Um, yep. That probably means they simply disagree with a certain lifestyle. And yep. uh, maybe you sh- maybe you should investigate that. And if you actually find out that, you know, they are hate-filled and bigoted and, like, calling for violence and death, well, then steer clear. But if it's yep. like, no, we just believe the word of God and the word of God says this is right and this is wrong, that's all, then I'd be like, well, that's probably a good way to find your church. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. I totally agree with that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What? Sorry. Uh, yeah, G. I was just going to say as well, another thing is if like a pastor or a, an elder in the church is not willing to take correction or to even study something more in the scripture, then that's a big red flag. That would be a big red flag because, you know, we're not God. We still yeah. all need to learn certain things. Yeah, sure. Yeah, good point. Yeah. What type okay. Of, like, Thank you, guys. What type of ministry were you uh, considering or thinking that you wanted to get involved with? Yeah, to actually go into, there's two ways that you become a minister in the Church of England. One is to be what they call a vicar or a pastor, and that's a paid job where you go through the process and you become trained, you do the, your curacy and then you become a vicar. And the other way is to be what they call a lay minister or a lay reader. So you, you're, a, you're a regular normal person, not a special vicar, but you pretty much do all the jobs the vicar does. It's just that it's on a voluntary level. Um, so I was initially looking into possibly being a lay minister, uh, a lay reader. The only thing you can't do, I don't think you can give communion in church and you can't, I think you can't marry people, but, but you can assist if there is the qualified vicar there. But apart from that, you can do everything else. You can do baptisms, you can do funerals, you can preach in church. Um, yeah, you do pretty much everything like a vicar. Um, but I just, I think that my way, my views are probably a bit too far out for them. Um, weren't, weren't you like a, a psychotherapist or a neuro something? Uh, I am. I'm a qualified hypnotherapist. So um, the vicar's wife, our vicar is actually very good. And um, he is, um, like G pointed out, very open to suggestions, very open to criticism. Must be difficult for him, but he really does sort of think, way up. I think I've made a mistake here and sort of revise it. So he's really good like that. But um, I happened to mention that I was a hypnotherapist to his wife, who is also now training to be a vicar in the Church of England. And she kind of went a bit nuts. And she was like, oh, my gosh, this is this is really this is of the occult. This is really bad. This is. And um, and I tried to explain my point of view. And she's like, because I remember having this chat with Nate way back. Um, and I was like, you know, if you want somebody who's going to be a therapist and is going to be talking to your subconscious brain, wouldn't you want somebody who's at least got the same faith base as you and therefore has the same values? And therefore, you would like to think you could trust to not abuse that position of power as a the therapist. Anyway, I tried to explain that to her. And she was literally like, oh, this is this is not good. Anyway, I then sort of had a bit of a, a query and a bit of a meltdown. I thought, oh, my gosh, what have I done? And I Googled it. And the Church of England are actually perfectly fine. They see hypnotherapy as a legitimate, um, acceptable form of therapy in the right context and the right place. It's the Mormons who struggle. And... Um, couple of other churches who obviously technically aren't Christian who don't accept hypnotherapy as an acceptable form of therapy um and so I just thought oh my gosh you know if the vicar's wife is thinking this I don't know I don't know what do you do with that Chris <clears throat> literally know nothing about hypnotherapy like I don't even know the first thing I assume it, it I, I, I assume it involves hypnotism Tism. Which I don't know anything about that either. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, but you yeah. can you hypnotize Chris right now? Oh my gosh! Could could you um 
not that I'm asking you to, but is that something that the, the environment has to be there or you have to be like right with someone or if like, could you hypnotize Chris to make him like kind and gentle? Like, <laughs> ooh. Ouch. You, you can't make somebody do something that their subconscious doesn't want to do. So technically, yes, I could if his subconscious was open to those sorts of suggestions. Um, wow. and, and you can actually do it over Zoom, um, over a, a video call. Yeah. Could you make him less sexist, Catherine? Because he doesn't think women should <laughs> preach. See, this is why I'm having trouble finding a place to go to for church, because there's a couple of places here. We have New Wine Movement here. We have the Vineyard Movement and uh, New Frontiers as well. Um, but most of them don't agree with women preachers. Oh, I see. That's what I was that, that's what I was going to say. And I, I was, you know, appealing to Chris to, uh, you know, I didn't want I didn't want to stifle him, but I wanted to say it in a very kind way. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, if you find something that's really like, you know, close to the Bible, um, you know, about about some issues. Well, hopefully it's going to be about all issues. But if it's about all issues then a lot of them may have a problem with women preachers, which is why I asked about, uh, you know, what type of ministry did you want to do? I mean, because you know, it's endless. Like when someone mm -hmm. says ministry, like did you did you specifically want to be a, a preacher, like with that title? Or did you want to like, you know, hand out Bibles in a bookstore? Or did you want to use hypnotherapy, for example, as, as a mission field for Christ? Or, you know, what type of ministry? Um, because I would think, well, there's lots of ministry available, but if it's specifically a pastor, um, yeah, I mean, that would be a problem. Yeah. But if you wanted to be, like, strictly biblically accurate, that would be the church you need to go to. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's kind of a catch-22. It's tough, right? And, and and most of the traditions we were talking about, Catherine, to go to are not going to have women preachers for the main audience. Now, my wife is a teacher, and she is a Bible teacher. She teaches, she teaches women specifically. Um and so she doesn't teach in front of mixed audiences, but she is a fantastic teacher. Mm. So that could be a, a calling as well. Um, you know, so it just depends on on where you're at. But most of the most of the ones that are going to be evangelical, that are going to be faithful to the scripture, are not going to accept women pastors per se. Yeah. Chris, do you know anything about um, the Vineyard? Like, I, I know, I, I'm, you know, we used to have, like listen to their songs and stuff, like have their songs in church, like, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah. But I, I don't know anything about, because if I say Hillsong, you say Heretic. So what do you say about Vineyard? <laughs> like, are they, are they like biblically based or are they, what, yeah, do you know anything about them? I know a lot about them. Uh, no, I would not. Uh, most churches, like if you talk to Jesse Palm, his church that he goes to now used to be a Vineyard church and they broke off from the vineyard church because of some why whack you'd have to ask Jesse specifically, but basically oh. they just had some wacky theology that they weren't into. The vineyard church had its heyday in the seventies and eighties. Um, and in the early nineties as well. And you could actually ask apostle Sean about this a little bit. He knows well, probably, no, well, he just left. So, um, but, uh, yeah, the vineyard, I would not, that would not be my first choice, but then again, I know nothing about the vineyard britain so i would say you know again find some other british folks that know about these things that are specific to the region because i think us as americans we're going to have very different ideas about what different denominations are doing than what are actually going on in britain yeah yeah well okay. i don't know haiti well you, you've been over here a long time right haiti like you you're not up to date on like you know the haiti just uh, american now I only set foot in a church for weddings and funerals. I'm the last person anyone. 
No, I'm not. Well, well no, I, you'd be the perfect person if you like, you know, were, were up to date on like, you know, British, British culture and news and stuff like that. But you've been here like longer, like forever. Right. So I guess. Oh. But no, I would I would ask you, Haiti. I'd be like, like, for example, if you're like, yeah, I live in London. I'm like, Haiti, tell Catherine, uh, Catherine, the most hate filled, bigoted, anti-woman, sexist churches you oh. can name. And you'd be like, oh, it's these and these and these. I'm like, OK, go yeah, check those out. No, I, I mean, I think it's really ironic that you're suggesting she just finds the crazy people. But anyway. But you get why I say that, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe. I think I think the problem is they might actually be the crazy people. Um, well, I mean, yeah, right. That's why I mean, you know, if you show up and there's like a Nazi flag, I mean, you know, <laughs> don't go in there. Yeah. But because like our because like popular culture is so crazy and bent against like, uh, you know, like if you disagree with me, you're automatically a Nazi. Um, and so yeah. because because they're so hyperbolic in that direction, the chances of, of them being correct and being like, oh, well, because if you disagree with this, then you're literally Hitler. Um, since the chances are so minuscule, they're going to be right. Um, yeah, I, I would feel good about like dipping my toe in that water and like, you know, checking out like what their actual statements of faith are. And, you know, like talking to some of their members or looking at Facebook groups, and like investigating a little more. Right, and then right. if you, you know, see swastikas everywhere or see like, you yeah. know, calls for violence. Well, of course not. But the chances of that, I believe, are going to be so small because of the uh, hyperbole in our culture and the, the outrage. Yeah, I mean, I, I do get the impression there's less variety and, you know, choice yeah. than there is in the U.S. In the U.S., I think you could find any church you wanted, right, that meets your specific theology or politics or whatever but because it's an institution in the uk the church of england i just think there's less of that because the us they're completely decentralized right there is no sort of governing body um i mean i don't mean the catholic church but the, all the others so it might yeah. just be more tricky to find. so like the presbyterian church haiti is going to have more of a structure mm -hmm. the church in america is going to be very anglican in nature because they you know it's just the american version of anglican um the methodist church used to be more top down but mm. um they've suddenly broken off so you've got conservative versus liberal methodist churches you know so so some of that yeah you're totally in terms of non-denominational churches yes most of them have no higher authority so like my church is the beginnings of a denomination itself mm. and so you know, we, we don't, our highest authority is going to be in terms of a person is going to be, you know, pastor Mike Adkin, mm. you know, he's our bishop. Yeah. Just out of interest, Catherine, what's the sort of, why are you looking to leave the, or not find a different church? Are they not, are they too liberal? Is it that kind of thing? Or is it like theology? Yeah, so um, partly I mentioned just before you joined that I was looking into possibly being a minister and it was we came to the conclusion that I probably didn't fit. I wasn't a face that would fit. I'm a bit too evangelical. That, you know, like I said to one, one, one point to the vicar, well, I don't know. I mean, why aren't we out on the streets with sandwich boards saying free prayer here, you know? And that isn't what the um, church does. Um, but also, we, I spoke to our vicar, our bishop, um, because he was talking about same-sex marriage, um, and basically he said that you can have a loving relationship with any partner, any couple, and therefore, why shouldn't their marriages be blessed as a marriage? Um, yeah, you're not a good fit for that church. 
get out. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> I'm just starting to think that doesn't really suit w- what I think the Bible is telling me. Isn't the Bible telling well, uh, not to? Uh, I mean, I mean, uh, what? The, the Bible what, says to what? Sorry, not be a pastor. It doesn't say that women can't be pastors. No. <clears throat> Well, before we get to that, uh, Catherine, if, I, I don't want your uh, address, but I mean, if you're comfortable <laughs> sharing, like, the region um, that you're in or, like, you know, whatever, like, the, the, the forest geographical thing to where you are, like, a major city, like, okay. I'd be happy to, to help you uh, look through some churches and, like, read their statements of faith and weed out any actual Nazis and, uh, you know, also find something that's not, like, leading you on a path to hell. So I'm happy to help you in the ser- search if you want to, like, back channel, like, uh, I don't know, the nearest metropolitan area or something like that no pressure but i will i will do yeah i mean basically i'm three hours from london um no two two hours two hours on the train the church alive is worth the drive so you're you're in france (laughs) (laughs) yeah opposite direction Yeah, I'll pop it in the back channel but i really enjoyed the chat and it, it is a bit of a minefield isn't it yeah, and I, I mean, I think if you, if you, you know, if someone knows their Bible or they've been a Christian a long time, like really, really knows the fundamentals, and I mean, you know, the New Testament is not that long of a read. Um, so if someone really reads that and like takes it to heart, then it'll be really easy knowing that to, you know, check out other churches and see which ones are just very, very quickly in line with that um, versus not. Uh, so, yeah. so. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe brush up on the New Testament again if it's been a little while since you read it. I don't know. And then it'll, it'll be, like, easy when you, like, start looking at, like, you know, what these different churches, like, put on social media, you know, the, the verses, you know, verse of the day and how they interpret that. Like, it, it should be really easy to narrow that down and be like, oh, yes, biblically accurate, biblically accurate. Wow, way not, way not. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for your tips, you guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, let us know if you find something. Maybe you can uh, maybe you can point Gia in that direction too. Hi. <laughs> well, Haiti, anything else on your mind today? Um, no, I'm just enjoying the chat. Yeah, it's like the uh, like the British invasion over here. I know. That's why I felt compelled to come on stage to you know tip the numbers a little bit more in our favor. <laughs> Get to hang out with your fellow countrymen? Is that sexist or are you okay with countrymen meaning um, people from your country? I'm okay with that. Which I guess is not anymore. But. Yeah. Are you still a, are you like a dual citizen? Yeah. What's up, Harold? Uh-oh, Harold, we don't hear you. Uh, try leaving and coming back. Clubhouse is preventing you from speaking. Nope. Caleb, what's up, The Caleb? lion roars this morning. Uh, <laughs> Roaring like a lion. <laughs> uh, yeah, Caleb, what's up? Can you hear me now? Uh, yes. Oh, marvelous. Um, how's everybody doing first? Doing good. How are you doing? I'm pretty good, man. I'm trying to get the day started like a normal good human being of society (laughs) it's overrated yeah just kidding just kidding be a good human being just joking yeah 
Um, so anything yeah, on your mind? Yeah, I had a quick question, man. Luke chapter 24, verse 44 through 48, uh, Jesus makes an interesting statement. Uh, he came to fulfill all that was written in the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms. Uh, and then it says that he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And the way he explains it, he says that it behooved Christ uh, to be resurrect, raised from the dead on the third day. Um, and that forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name, beginning at Jerusalem. And that his disciples would be his witnesses. Let me make sure I get the get the passage right. Hold on. It says, uh, "Thus it is written, and thus um, so it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem." You are my witnesses of these things. So my question is, where is that in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms? Like, what, what, what do you guys understand um, of where he's deriving that summary from? Obviously, it's a summary, but where is he deriving it from? Well, I mean, the first thing I think of is John the Baptist preaches repentance. So, I mean, you know, that was before the resurrection of Christ. So, I mean, I'll say John the Baptist, but uh, what type? Uh, I was specifically asking Harold where he's reading this in the uh, New Testament so I can grab it. And uh... Yeah, what was the verse? Uh, it's Luke 24, 24. 47. Right, well, yeah, Luke starting 20, 46. Yeah, Luke 24, 44 through 48, but specifically 46 and 47. He says, it's, he says it was, you know, to fulfill was written in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Is he's giving a summary statement of what he? Where would you? Where would you guys like? What would be some reference points, or how do you understand Jesus's summary statement that's being given? Wait, so, are you talking about the prophecies in 44 that everything about him must be fulfilled? Or are you talking about another verse specifically? What? Um, like, like, sorry, I'm, I'm just trying to get which specific point you're focusing on. Is it the the words I spoke, you know, everything about written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled? Or are you focusing on a different point? He wants to know where the scriptures are that Jesus is referencing in terms of himself in Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Is that correct, Earl? Yes, that's right, Chris. Yeah, okay. Chris, it sounded like you are about to answer that. I mean, I'm, I'm I thinking, can. I'm thinking, I mean, yeah, go ahead. I, I, yeah, I'm thinking about the, you know, must be lifted up thing from Moses and the snake or whatever. But yeah, go yeah. ahead, Chris. Yeah, I mean, the, the entire Torah is types and shadows. And so Leviticus 17 um, Deuteronomy 30, um, like there's all kinds of passages that the the apostles point to when they're they're teaching and preaching throughout the book of Acts, 
that are references to these things. So we can kind of reconstruct where Jesus is walking through the scriptures from the scriptures that the apostles reference in the book of Acts um, when they're preaching. So like specifically Peter and Stephen and all these guys when they're when they're giving their sermons, um, those are loaded with Old Testament um, like references. Um, and so if you take those sermons and you cross reference, I don't have them off the top of my head. I mean, I, I got a few. Um, so, you know, for instance, uh, you know, Psalm 110 is, is mentioned over and over and over again because, um, Christ is, you know, the, the son of David and he is also over David. And so this is a, this is a messianic verse that the apostles continue to talk about. So that's the song. So that's one place in the Psalms. Um, you know, they will look upon whom, him, whom they have pierced. That's in Zechariah. So you're getting prophets there. Um, obviously Isaiah 53, um, <clears throat> you know, some, some of these other passages are going to be more famous than others. What's the one but you're Isaiah gonna... is that like he was wounded for whatever and he was crushed? Yeah. Is that one in Isaiah? Isaiah 53, 11. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, there's there's just tons of of foreshadowing to Christ, and same thing with the road to Emmaus, right? When Jesus says, you know, it says that Jesus opened the scriptures and showed them from Moses onward where he was talked about in the scripture. So the types and shadows of the Old Testament sacrifice, um, the tabernacle, you know, John in John one fourteen literally uses the same Greek word that's used in the Septuagint for the descriptions of the tabernacle in the Torah. So it literally says, you know, like most English translations say, and the, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The actual Greek word there is tabernacle. So, um, there references from Luke 26 or not Luke 26. I mean, Leviticus uh, 26. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Go on my bad. Uh, well, there you go. Oh, it's pretty much done. That's it. So what about that? Like the idea of like, how do y'all understand uh, the idea of him being resurrected on the third day? Because when I, I guess from what I've been reading, it's not necessarily that like it, like this. Obviously, I think mean, both of us would agree. Like, it's not going to say verbatimly, "Oh, Jesus is going to be resurrected on the third day," or "The Christ is going to be resurrected on the third day." So, but um, I guess when it comes to him being resurrected, how do you guys understand the resurrection passages being applicable to him? How would y'all understand? Well, Jesus himself says, "You will get the sign of Jonah." So when Jonah talks about being in the belly of the whale for three days, that's what he's referencing. I mean, Jesus himself says that's the sign from the prophets of his resurrection in three days. Right. I agree with you now, but see the, the difficult part is it's funny. You mentioned that we was literally actually just reading that yesterday, but the, the difficult part of what I'm trying to seek out is like where within I think it's what Jonah's like four chapters. So just basically where within the book of Jonah <clears throat> would one be able to glean that, that Jonah's, you know, happening would, would be a sign. 
if that makes any sense. And by the way, I'm not just, I'm not asking questions like to try to be, no, I'm just genuinely asking because this is something that I've been kind of reading on. So I'm just kind of picking people's brains that you already understand. Well, with Jonah, there's not a specific passage that it's referencing, right? So again, like I think what happens is a, a lot of people run into the exact word fallacy is that they want verses that say exactly X, Y, Z. When in reality, Jesus in Matthew 22, uh, 29 and following, um, he talks about the direct implications of scripture. And so when he talks about the story of Jonah, it would be understood in the culture that Jonah was in the belly of the earth for three days. He was in the belly of the whale for three days. Um, it is not... It is not a specific verse that he's referring to because that is not how the apostles and the prophets and Jesus referred to the Old Testament. Um, we tend to attempt to use scripture as a series of proof texts, and that is not the way in which biblical peoples approached the scripture. They, didn't, they never used it for proof texting. Wow, that's very interesting. I mean, I, I I somewhat agree with that, and what you said about uh, Jonah as well. Because uh, I, I, the way I understand the story of Jonah, I believe that Jonah did die, quite literally, and I do believe that God raised him, um, based off of what he's, based off of what he prays in chapter two, because he he prays. The way that the prayer seems to be seems to read, he's explaining how he prayed before he died, what happened when he died, and then, and then chapter two is basically the prayer that he's praying after he's been risen, because he says, "Thou has he says you have lifted, lifted me up from the pit," as it reads in the NASB. In the King James, it reads uh, "corruption." So when you're dealing with the pit or corruption or Sheol, it's typically dealing with like death, the grave, that kind of thing. That's the way I understand it. I think it works either way. I mean, Jesus is using it metaphorically. So even if Jonah didn't literally physically die, which you can make a case either way, I think, from the text, um, Jesus is, is using the idea of Jonah being three days in the belly of the whale for how Jesus will be three days in the belly of the earth. He's simply, he's simply drawing an, an analogy between himself and Jonah in terms of the three days. Well, isn't there, is it, um, oh, who is it? Is it um, Abraham or David that says something like, you know, you've redeemed my life from the pit. So, so, I mean, even if someone says in their prayer, like, you know, just, uh, you know, from the pit, which would mean death. I mean, whoever said that was it, was it David or Abraham or someone? Yeah. It's like you know you've redeemed David. my redeemed yeah. my life from the pit, but he didn't die and was resurrected. Yet he still you know used that language. So I, I mean I'm I wouldn't make bones about that. Like whatever Chris says, you know either way is fine. But I would just point out that before someone latches on to he definitely died. I, I'd say well there's other times that that pit language was used uh, from people who didn't die. Just to point that out. For fun. Yeah, appreciate it. I think Todd was wanting to say something as well. 
Todd? Uh, I'm just looking into it. Um, I mean, I'm finding a few passages. There's a good one in Hosea 6. Um, if I'll read it here real fast, if I can find it again. Hold on. It says, come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, but he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bandage us. He will revive us after two days. He will raise us up on the third day. And I know that doesn't speak of him himself, but it's it's a pretty nice parallel. Anyway, anyway, I'm still looking into it. James, what's up, James? Hey, good morning. How you doing? Doing all right. I Anything pretty, on your mind? Um, yeah. I, I had a pretty decent chat with Matt Slick last night. And, you know, morality is always an issue. And it's like, it's, I, don't, I don't see why it's an issue. It's, it's subjective. We all have it. We all want to be good and kind to each other. However, there seems to be a problem of, you know, oh, you atheists don't have your groundings and I feel as though we have our same ground as you guys do. We can think about things and take into trust of what we, yeah, anyway, it's, I think, I think we're all on the same playing field. We don't want to harm each other. Right. So, um, I watched a video this morning. Um, it is, uh, what's his name? Dan Baker. And, uh, he brings up the book of Job and he, he gives a cool, it's a, it's only an eight minute, 30 second video. It's pretty cool. Nice, nice watch about, you know, how human beings do things and, you know, like, Hey man, why the hell did you do that? Heinous act. Oh man, the devil made me do it. It's like, well, isn't that what happens in the book of Job? The the devil makes God do that to Job. No, and then no. what? Why not? Well, because I mean, it, right there in the text like god says you can do any of these things but kill him so the devil's not making god like god doesn't do any of this like the god give god gives satan permission to do it himself and satan does it himself but god forbids him from taking his life so i mean no i mean unless you're unless you're like you know interpreting that a really interesting way i mean god tells satan you satan can do this stuff but you can't kill him so then satan himself does this stuff. Yep. Primary and secondary causes, James. You should look into just Google primary and secondary causes. I mean I I didn't mean to make that too short. Um I mean no, do you agree no, with that? Um no I'm not. <laughs> I still think it clearly says that it's God made him do it without any reason. Mm. Book of Job mm. Chapter 2, verse 3. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Read verse 6. Very well then, in your hands, but you must spare his life. Yeah, or the ESV says, And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, but only spare his life. Um, and, verse 7, if there was any confusion, So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores in the sole of his feet and the crown of his head, 
and he took a piece of uh, broken pottery to scrape himself. So, I mean, unless we just, you know, murder the text, uh, Satan's doing this. Yep. Primary yep. and secondary causes. Well, another interesting thing in this in this uh, scripture is um, on the day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also with them, presents himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, "Where have you come from?" Like, wait a minute. I thought I thought Lord knew knew everything. So why would the why would God have to ask that question? Excellent question. <laughs> same. Well, mani- maniacal cackling aside. It's the yeah, same yeah. thing he does with Adam and Eve. Like when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and, you know, God rolls up to him and he's like, where are you doing? Why, why are you <laughs> hiding? Why are you doing this? Do we think God, who obviously knows where they are to go find them and talk directly to them, like, do we think he doesn't know exactly what's going on? Um, so, I mean, you know, if you want to be really hard-nosed, like, see, your God story doesn't know stuff. Uh, but if we want to be real, it's like, you know, if I walk in and, you know, James, you're like loading up your, you broke into my house. Clearly you're like loading up my jewelry drawer through, through like your pockets full of jewelry. I'm like, James, whoa, what are you doing? You're clearly stealing. But like, James, what are you doing? <laughs> right? No. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. That's cool. Don't do that, by the way. <laughs> I don't have any jewelry anyway. No, I, I would. I have no intention to steal from anybody. So, yeah. I know because you're probably a decent moral person because you're creating the image of God with a sense of morality, whether you know it or not, or believe it or not, or espouse it or not. <laughs> Check me. <laughs> I've got no grounding yet. I'm moral. I've got because no grounding but yet. I'm moral. You steal, you steal your grounding from us. That's all. That's fine. Oh, I love the spin. I love the spin. You guys always got to well, win. Uh, well, I mean, I, I win think it, it, right? There, there's a. I think it, yeah. Well, I think it goes back to the claim, right? Like, you know, where people say, like, you have no grounding, like I, I guess Matt told you. Um, so, so like, you know, intellectually, like, you know, because you would claim that you, you lack a belief in this God. So then they would say, well, you have no grounding. So you, you maybe maybe do moral stuff, but you don't know why and you can't ground it. But I would say, well, the reason you can do it is, is you do have a grounding in morality because you're created in the image of God. You just don't admit it or don't recognize it or espouse that you, you know, that's not a thing. But, uh, Otis, what's up, Otis? May I say something on that Job thing? Uh, yeah, and then we'll get to Otis. Yeah, what's up, Earl? Yeah, I was going to say, um, I think one of the, one of the issues when it comes to books like Job is a lot of people take a very hyper-literal approach to the book of Job and don't, don't take in, it's, at least it seems as though they don't take into consideration that Job is a very poetic book, even within the uh, the way the way that the I guess you want to say the Jewish canon is constructed. The Book of Job is considered a, uh, a massive piece of poetry, though. I mean, though the Book of Job is believed to be true, as far as the story of Job and the narrative, it is believed that it's truly happened. But at the same time, it's still written as a piece of poetry. And so there's a lot of different things within that text that people read over, but they're not taking into consideration the uses of how certain phrases may be, certain symbols are used, 
metaphors, similes, and all different types of, um, what is it called, Chris? Um, literary devices. Literary devices. Yes. There are various literary devices that are being used within texts like Job, and it's a very ancient text. So it's like you're trying to, we're trying to uh, understand an ancient text within the, within a modern day lens, and that and that's just doing a disservice to the actual text in itself. In well, I mean, regular, it, I'm sorry. Well, well, I was just gonna say. I mean, if it becomes much less poetic if you take it literally. I, I mean, you know, there's a lot more literary devices if you take it as you know, lots of metaphor and poetry and stuff like that. But if you're like, yeah, this is a story that happened. It's much less metaphor and much less literary devices. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that it's not meant to be taken literal. I'm saying people read it as a hyper literal text because it, there's, like for example, there's prophecy that's in the Book of Job. Prophecy is not prophecy. Deals with symbols. It deals with literary devices. It deals with metaphors. It deals with uh, symbology. So I'm not I'm not saying that the book of Job isn't to be taken literal. That's what I was saying. I believe that it is a literal story. I believe that it actually happened. I'm just saying that people need to take into consideration when they're reading the text. From they need to familiarize themselves with the writing style so that they can understand when a metaphor leaves off and something literal starts to starts to no you know, take place. That's all. Uh, sure. Otis. What's up, Otis? I don't know. You invited me, so I came up. I did. I do that. Sometimes I invite people to see if they have any comments or questions. or. But if you don't, that's fine. Feel free to hang out, and if you want to say anything, just let us know. You can tell me about the picture in your PTR. What does it symbolize? Uh, well, depending on where you're from, it's uh, a reference to pop culture. How you know the traditional stance of the LGBTQIA plus community was, you know, we're grown adults, we're consenting, why does it matter to you? You know, we're not hurting anyone, we just want to be happy and live our own lives the way we see fit. And, you know, uh, people finally made peace with that. And then you have, like, more either either because they're earnest and sincere or because they're, like, trying to thumb a face in certain um, lifestyles that they disagree with. Um, so whether it's because they earnestly want to do this or they're being provocateurs, you will get things like, you know, whole choirs, like whole city government-sanctioned choirs singing songs um, about, you know, converting children and going after children. And um, they will say, well, look, you accuse us of wanting to go after kids. So now we're going to go after kids. And, uh, you know, between that and like the indoctrination, you will see depending on like different schools or books or publications. Um, so because of that brouhaha, um, it has become a thing that this community is now um, so unassociated with just, hey, we're adults, we're consenting, you know, love is love. We want to do our own thing that it's now because of the most outspoken voices become synonymous with like wanting to convert people or, you know, uh, with pedophilia and even Satan. Um, and again, not everyone in this community, but the, the loudest voices get all the attention. So right now the loudest voices in this co uh, community have done a disservice to this community and they're affiliating it with pedophilia and Satan, probably because uh, they're being provocateurs more than real. But um, regardless, that's what the meme is about. So it is basically that group um, who say they're going after people's children. Um, and then Jesus's hand there is like, nope, I'm stopping this. Okay. So that is the explanation of that meme. 
Okay, so the hand on top of the uh, the set of claws is Jesus' hand, and then the people in red are children. Well, that's the family. That's like the nuclear family. Oh, like okay. husband, wife, children. I'm sorry. What did you say, Harold? The nuclear family. Oh, okay. Fine. Family. Okay. I see. And then the. So why is the. So the 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 mangled hand that is now turned into. What looks like animal claws that represents the hand oh. of the. Yeah. Go yeah, ahead, the, the, the demon hand that would be like the devil using the uh, disguise of the LGBTQIA plus community. So I, okay. I missed that part. Yeah. So okay. it's like the devil's hand using this as a disguise. I see. Okay. Okay. But you're saying that you don't think that, um, that all queer people are doing that. Just some. Oh yeah, you have whole organizations um, who are funny enough being else or, or being like you know having war waged against them against them by the loudest voices um, on that side, like you know gays against groomers. Like the, there's a whole organization of the traditional type of LGBTQIA plus community who say, look, who are the first type I talked about, right? Who are like, hey, we're adults, we're not hurting anyone, we don't want a thing to do with you, we don't want a thing to do with your kids, uh, we just want to you know love who we want to love, consenting adults. So leave us alone and we'll leave you alone. Um, so you have whole communities and organizations who are specifically recognizing this as a vile thing creeping in to their otherwise adult consenting community. So yeah, they're, they're speaking out against it. So it's certainly not everyone in this, but kind of like the, um, kind of like, you know, in Christianity, it's like the smallest minority that was outspoken like Westboro Baptist Church back in the day, if you're familiar with them, they got, they tarnished all of Christianity with like this, this hateful rhetoric and screaming and yelling and getting in people's faces and protesting military funerals and all this stuff. And, you know, they didn't re represent the majority of Christianity, not by a long shot, but it became synonymous with Christianity because even though they were a very small voice, they were an incredibly loud, annoying voice. So, you know, we did, we do all we can to distance ourselves with that but because we you, see that you don't, as you don't think you're, You don't think you're giving Westboro too much credit. I think you are. I don't, I don't, I don't know that the uh, current reception that uh, mainstream uh, Christians enjoy is uh, due primarily to the um, activity of folks like the Westboro uh, Baptist church members. There are many Christians who belong to other denominations and other uh, churches uh, who espouse doctrines and teach their uh, family members, their congregations um, to relegate queer people to second-class status. So I don't know that Westboro is at fault alone. I think that the uh, anti-queer uh, um ideas uh, espoused by Christians existed a long time before before the Westboro Church. Well, I think the difference is rhetoric. Like whenever, and this is something I'll say, so maybe this puts me, maybe you would say I base, I should just be a member of Westboro Baptist Church. Oh, you should be based on the PTR that you have. 
Okay, great. So I would say it this way, you know, there is uh, disagreeing with someone is not hate. It just is not. And if someone disagrees with that, then fine. Call me literally Hitler um, and let the irony sink in. But if someone shouts and screams like, you know, gay people are, I don't know, God hates you and uses all kind of like, you know, insulting, uh, terrible language towards them and things like that. And, you know, just yells and screams as a hateful person. I would say that is bad. If someone, you know, like me tries to take an uncompromising, uh, sincerely held conviction approach, um, yet not be a complete psycho, I would say, look, there are some things God says is sin, and this is one of them. And it's for straight people too, by the way. So God's view of sexual encounters is between a husband and a wife, that's a male and a female, and anything that's not that under God is sin. So straight people having sex, gay people having sex, if it's not a husband and a wife, that is sin. And that's what I'd say. And I'd say, well, look, I'm not going to treat you any different if someone's married and doing things what God says is the right way, or if someone's doing what God calls sin, um, that doesn't affect how I'm going to treat them. Uh, I, and I, I may not be calling them a brother or sister in Christ, but if they don't even care about my God or care about my religion or anything like that, fine, let's hang out. Let's be neighbors. I don't care. Like we disagree. And at that point, if you or anyone else says, well, that's just hate filled and you're a bigot, then fine, say that. But I think that's very fair and that's being true to my honest convictions. So if someone would rather me keep my mouth shut or lie to them, who is that helping? I would rather someone tell me honestly what they think, even if it doesn't make me feel super great, than lie to me. Well, so that's my sense. Well, so I can say here just a few things. I'm not going to talk as long as you do. You like to talk for a long time. That was a little but... insulting, but I'll take that the grain of salt. Oh, I'm making an observation. Take with it what you take from it what you want. Um, so, I just think about the rights that people should have respected, so that they can participate fully in society and live uh, self-actualized lives. Uh, let's talk about marriage, for instance. Um, the Westboro Baptist Church. Uh, didn't represent the only Christians who were opposed to same-sex couples uh, getting married in the United States and having their marriages uh, honored, respected, and acknowledged by uh, the government. There were many white evangelicals who also believed that they were entitled to impose their personal religious views about marriage on people who do not accept those views. Never mind that the United States uh, isn't a theocracy, but is a secular government, and as such, uh, should be accommodating of all of its citizens within reason. I mean, maybe you didn't technically talk just as long as me, but sure. Uh, I did. Yeah, I mean, I guess go, well, go find, you know, I guess find a Christian that opposes the government, uh, you know, letting gay people get married and have that conversation. There are many. Me, oh, right. I'm not one of them. So, you know, I think it's, you know, I think it's a sin according to my religion, according to my God. But I also think the government doesn't have a hand, uh, it doesn't have business in, involved in marriage anyway. It's between the couple and before God. So, you know, let the government do whatever the government wants. Like, go crazy. Well, so um, the, 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 the reason same-sex couples wanted their marriage um, honored by the government is that marriage uh, under American law is a contract, a sort of contract that allows you 
to access certain benefits. It allows you to enjoy certain privileges. So the marriage certificate that is issued to you by the government has absolutely nothing to do with any with God or any other religious being. It is a legal document. And what same-sex couples wanted before Obergefell was the ability to enter into that legal contract so that they could enjoy the benefits that the United States government and the state governments give to people who get married. And of, of course, they also wanted to enjoy other things. But that's that's what I'm talking about. Westboro, Westboro Baptist Church um, was, was not the leader um, of the let's not let same-sex couples get married in America movement. Well, I 100% understand that. And that's why I said that. I don't think the government has any business in like religious marriages. So if they want to do what they do and it's a legal contract, that's why I don't care. Like go crazy, do whatever you want. Uh, but also the goalpost has shifted. This started with hate-filled, bigoted rhetoric. Uh, and then it turned into legal issues and, and marriage. So, the, so the, yeah, I'm the, trying. The, goal, the goalpost didn't shift. I, I anchored it somewhat I anchored it I anchored it in reality because it's not the case. It's not so the case. So it wasn't rhetoric. You picked Hold it on. up and you moved it to marriage. It's not it's not the case that the most vocal gay activists are trying to convert people who are straight and turn them gay. That's not happening. That's a lie that far right people who claim to be Christian want to keep spreading. It's bullshit. Yeah, I disagree with that so hard. Flip on the TV channel and watch. So, like, if you're reading news articles about... What TV channel? If you're... Just any of them. Here's what I'm trying to say. If you read far-right, quote, far-right propaganda, and it's making up lies or saying stuff about this, that's one thing. And you may need to investigate and find it's a bunch of bull. But... When you see just countless amounts of footage, like not clipped, not out of context, not edited, and you see things uh, like this happening, like whether it's, you know, the entire month of June, like that's like a treasure trove of footage right there of like all these, you know, parades, story times, drag queens, people, uh, you know, like when they had they rented out a strip club, I believe in Austin, Texas, and got footage of, you know, like uh, kids putting like money in the G-string of transgender dancers. Um, and drag queens and all this stuff. So it, it's really hard to to criticize the source and say, well, that's just far right. It could be any place if they just capture video footage and share the video footage of the people actually doing this. It doesn't need spin. Who, who's it the doesn't they? Need interpretation. Who's the they? You you mentioned something happening in Austin, Texas. You said Google Austin. Th- Google like uh, uh, Google Austin, Texas strip club, um, like G-string kids money. Like Google something like that and okay. bring it up. It happened probably six months ago now. But anyway, that's like I'll, one. No, I'm going to Google. Things. Okay, great. And I've done it before. So if you can't find it, let me know and I'll Google it for you. But th- that's like one. There's countless, countless things. Like even in the uh, Pride Day in Canada during June, like there is an audio call of someone calling in asking, I forget, was it Toronto? I, I forget the city. But it was in Canada and there was a Pride parade going on. And they're like, hey, uh, you know, nudity, like public nudity is bad, right? And, uh, like it's illegal, right? And they're like, yes, it's illegal. And they go through this thing, like verifying that you can't be naked in public um, and things like that. And this guy says, 
what's going on? He says, it's around children. Like there's children present. There's people walking on the road and there's like people dancing around naked with like their full anatomy exposed. And they're like, yeah, that's illegal. And they're like, where is this? And they like gave him the address and then they mentioned that it was a pride parade. And they're like, oh, oh no, no, we can't do anything. It's okay. It's been sanctioned for that. So it, I mean, th there's just no shortage of this. And it's at the point where if people disagree and say it's not happening. You're just wrong, like either deceitfully or ignorantly. No, I, Anyways, I, I, I know what I said was not happening. I said something specific is not happening. I talked about that, that gay the loudest people trying voice to convert. Yes, trying to convert to turn straight people gay. That that's what I said is not happening. It's it's back it's up your claim somehow. I'm sorry. Say that again. Back up your claim somehow. I know it. I know it's hard to back up. I'm like I'm helping. Oh well, you, you out but you didn't back up. You, you didn't back up yours. I literally did. I told you to like search for this stuff. I've given you examples. No, no. I told you that what I disagreed with was your claim that the loud that 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 the loudest voices in the queer community are trying to turn straight people gay. That's what I that's what I challenged. So just the loudest people in the gay community Real quick, I just wanted to. So, uh, that, no, wait, wait. Let me let me fi let me finish responding to Nate, okay? Because the loudest people in the gay community are the ones who've gotten the gay community the rights that the gay community currently um, enjoys. Are you talking the, about or, twenty years ago? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about twenty years ago because HRC and a bunch of and Glad and a bunch of other gay organizations still exist, and same sex marriage became federally permissible only uh in 2015 eight years ago not 20. okay that's wholly irrelevant like that it's not irrelevant it Discri irrelevant. discrimination okay. against gay people okay you're getting a little too agitated exactly. and we've gone on a long time okay exactly. so yeah michael, michael i'm trying to make it about you well hang on michael i'm gonna come right to you <laughs> but j just just to end this thing like i'm like oh the, the, okay so the claim is you know, the loudest voices are being currently in 2023 a detriment to the LGBTQI plus community because they're going out of their way either for satire or to be provocateurs or because they're legitimately pedophiles who want to have sex with kids. Um, so no matter what the reason, they are currently the loudest voices. And that's the claim. That's what I'm saying in 2023. So then you're talking about like the gay rights and like marriage and all this other stuff. And you're like, well, in 2015, forget 2015. Like, how far do you want to mess us up? Like, you're, goodness, it's like the Pharisees and Jesus. Like, you're focusing on the jot and tittle, and you're missing the point. We're not talking about 2015. We're talking, like, currently, in the current culture going on. Oh, goodness. Michael, what's up, man? How are you doing? Good, Nate. How are you, man? Uh, well, <laughs> it's doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's... <laughs> That was a lot, but uh, I actually should have channeled my up. inner Chris. <laughs> yeah, I um, I came on just to actually uh, get a biblical perspective on Hosea and Goma, uh, oh, and boy. Hosea the third chapter, uh, that that particular chapter, and what would be the best uh, commentary to uh, break down that particular chapter because I know. From what I read, um, we are somewhat, or the world, I would say uh, uh, specifically, uh, uh, we were somewhat to a degree like Goma 
uh, just kind of using how it how it describes Gomer and uh, Hosea. Uh, Hosea was pretty much like God or like Jesus. Uh, and we were like the world, like whoring around, you know, against God in the sense of, you know, sin and stuff like that. So I'm just basically trying to get like a good commentary or something like that to to actually break down that 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 chapter. Hosea, the third chapter, and also Hosea, the 14th chapter. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I mean, when I look at commentaries, I usually go to like Matthew Henry or, or I, I forget the other one. So, I mean, I, I don't have a specific commentary off the top of my head that would be good for this. Maybe Chris does. But I mean, as far as just the straightforward story about you know Israel constantly being unfaithful, or if you want to extrapolate that to modern day Christians, you know, constantly failing, constantly being, you know, maybe unfaithful and God's steadfast love, even in the face of this, I, I think just the overarching story is how, you know, how much God's love is for his people. Um, so don't be like Gomer. But uh, Chris, do you, do you have any specific uh, commentary you would? Is he on a call? Or Todd? Yeah, Does he's on a call. Does anyone have any specific <laughs> commentary you'd point to? Yeah, he brought up, uh, I mean, he said a lot. But I would just say this, that in America, he's talking about people who want to push back against the agenda, um, talking about gay people getting their rights and da 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 Oh, wait, are you talking about the previous conversation? We're talking about Jose Otis. and Goma. Uh, no, was, we're talking I about Michael. Talk about, oh, I was going to talk oh, about Otis what? and what Otis was saying. Oh, okay. Well, let's get you on that. But do you have anything helpful for Michael first? <laughs> like a, a good commentary for uh, Hosea third and fourteenth chapter? I mean, I mean, no, I'm just, I'm just saying, yet. Matthew. I, I mean, have you looked at Matthew Henry's commentary, Michael? Yeah, I have to some degree or whatever. But I just, I just wanted a good, uh, a good foundation or narrative of where to start at. You know, with this particular, uh, those chapters, the third chapter and the fourteenth chapter. Yeah, so I mean, I mean uh, professing, did you have something to say about this? A commentary, yeah, maybe? Your, your question is, what do these chapters represent exactly? Michael? Well, I think it was a commentary for them. I, I mean, Michael, I think you've you got a handle on what they represent, right? You were just looking for, like, a specific commentary? Right, right. A good translation to go by is, is basically one. A good, oh, a good translation to go by? Well, I mean, okay, I'm a little confused. Okay, so uh, you know, just to reiterate what I said, like the, the overarching point of the story is Israel's like it was a whole it was a whole thing that God specifically wanted this done as uh, what's the word not allegory or whatever as as a thing to show how Israel was constantly failing and constantly rebelling and constantly whoring around and going after other gods and other nations, but God's steadfast love remained. So Hosea was basically the archetype, like that was the archetype Hosea was in, showing the steadfast, unfailing love to this person who was like incredibly unfaithful. Um, so, I mean, that's that's the whole point of the story. Um, but then, yes, yeah, so, so for a, a commentary that would like get more specific than that, um, other than Matthew Henry, I don't know. So, yeah, professor, do you, or professing, do you have anything to say on top of that? Yeah, so I mean, Hosea 14th chapter is um, like starting at verse 6 is obviously a direct correlation to like Zechariah chapter 4, um, 
and also Romans 11 because uh, it uses the olive tree um, allegory. So, you know, it's talking about his branches spreading like an olive tree. And we know that. Th so, so you have a theme here. All of Hosea, actually, uh, in case you weren't aware, First Corinthians 15 is modeled after Hosea. Um, so what he's saying here in the final chapter of uh, Hosea is talking about the ingrafting of the Gentile, um, his branches spreading. And then also in uh, chapter, uh, or sorry, in verse, uh, let's see. Oh, um, verse eight, you know, um, says, what shall Ephraim say? Have I to do any more with idols? Uh, I have heard and observed them. I am like a cypress tree. Um, in me, your, your green fruit is found. So this is also like, uh, referencing, um, Isaiah 27, uh, when, when, uh, he, he says that, you know, um, in the days to come or the people that come, you know, my, my fruit shall bear forth throughout the entire world. So this is like, I mean, Hosea really is just like talking about the, yes, it, it's in reference to the Northern kingdom's transgression uh, towards other gods and their uh, eventual captivity into Assyria. Um, but the, but, you know, obviously this is arching over further even into, um, like I said, Romans 11, uh, Zechariah chapter uh, 4, and then also by extension, Revelation 11. I uh, hope that helps, Michael. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, another one was uh, Ezekiel 16, 16, 6 uh, and 7. Well, hang, hang on just one second. Uh, yeah, I don't know, Professor, if you want to go ahead and go there, but... Uh, to, to let Todd finish so we can wrap up the other conversation. Uh, yeah, Todd. I mean, what I don't really say to. about that. We can continue on. No, no, it was good. I'd, I'd like to hear what you have to say, but I mean, Ezekiel 6 and 7 seems to be where we're going next, but I, I would like to give you the chance. I, yeah, I didn't uh, realize you wanted to, to take, say something earlier, so I'd like to hear it. Yeah, to take a quick detour past this conversation, he was talking about how, you know, we straight Christian evangelicals just want to keep uh, LGBTQ from having their rights. That's all we want to do. No, it's not. Actually, uh, the United States is built on a foundation of faith. We are a faithful people, or were, and as part of the law, uh, the, we understand that the nuclear family in civic society is that which keeps the civil society uh, the most blessed and that heterosexual people uh, engaging in marriage in a covenant relationship with God keeps a nation blessed beyond measure. And when we start to leave that foundation and go to that which God did not ordain, we become cursed. And that happens, and that's what we see. Uh, a civil society based on God's morals and God's principles uh, is a good society. And if you delve away from that, it becomes a, a, a bad society. And so we're not just trying to keep you from your rights. That's not what we do. What we're trying to do is keep our society moral and just and in God's blessing. And if we don't do that, then we become cursed. And nobody wants to live in a society that's cursed. So that's- Which, which it increasingly looks there. like we are more and more. <laughs> and if that sounds harsh, well, Take that up with God. 
Not my problem. I appreciate that, Todd. Uh, okay. Well, welcome, D. What's up, D? Welcome. Happy. Good morning. Well, um, Nick, you brought me up here, so I guess I should <laughs> say something. Um, so I, I think people need to understand, they did not say that they're trying to convert straight people to being gay. So can y'all stop saying that in the comment? The thing is, is that there is a programming that they're starting with younger children. I have younger children, so I can speak from experience. When I talk to my daughter just about everyday social issues and can see that her stance doesn't align with mine, not because she has all this wonderful evidence, it's because it's been taught that way, then it's, it's, a, it's a concept that has to be addressed. When you go on a Disney channel and I have to screen what she's watching on the Disney channel because there's a there's a place where it says pride on a Disney channel. When because the the issue is is not it's not about what you want to do in your bedroom. It's about why are we promoting it out in the public? You know, live your lifestyle. But promoting it, you go to Disney World, my kids went to Disney World, there's a there's nothing but pride stuff there. There's there's a context that comes with that. It's not just about you know, people who love each other. It's a sexual push when it comes to that. Like, there's no, like, heterosexual flag that we wave and we have parades for. Like, I need, think we need to kind of be honest here and not sitting here making up stuff as if it's not happening. So I just want to say that. Well, thank you, D. Always happy to have you. All right, Michael. Ezekiel 6 and 7. I think that what? was like 16. 16. Oh, is that what you said, 16? Yeah, 16, 6, and 7. And what was that your was, question about it? No, 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 no. That that kind of parallel as a reference scripture with the uh, with Hosea. Okay. So so were you just making that point? I My bad. I took the detour because I thought we were going to have like a big discussion, but were you, were you just finishing no, up? No, yeah, that was, that, that, that was just added to it. That's all. We, we can, oh, okay. We sorry. I thought right we were about to have... Okay, I thought we were about to have a big discussion, so I wanted to get that oh, other out of the way. No, no, uh, I'm, oh, okay. I'm not trying to take over. That, that's it. It's just like I said, it was just a reference. Well, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily parallel that with Hosea. I mean, you you could, but this is talking about God's like beginning with Israel in, in Ezekiel 16, at least six and seven. Obviously, if you read through the entire chapter of 16, it's it's God pretty much like you know excoriating Israel and like handing her that certificate of divorce. Um, God divorces Israel. That's what's talked about in this chapter. It's talked about in Jeremiah. It's talked about in, um, where else is it talked about? Maybe in, no, I, th I think, I think Jeremiah is the main one too, where it talks about it. So, but, but verse six and seven specifically, you know, this, this covenant that it talks about in verse seven, that's, um, you know, obviously the covenant made out in uh, Sinai. So. Well, uh, Zach, what's up, Zach? You are next. I uh, wanted to pop up earlier uh, for something that I've, I forgot what I was going to mention. Oh, it was the um, it was the resource for Otis when he was speaking um, about what was going on in Texas. Like when on Google pulled up the article put it out there um yeah i'm not really in a space to talk right now 
But yeah, I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm in the chat. I'm going crazy. So I'm going to go back to the audience and just. Okay. So re uh, real quick um, for the people that, you know, question sources. So you were able to find it and can, can you tell us like what you Googled in order to like pull up these articles? Just in case yes, anyone else I, is like, show me I your sources. Literally just, I literally just Googled Texas, um, kids, drag, and it like popped up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And this is the one from like Austin where they were like shoving money, like kids were shoving money yeah. in like drag queens, like G strings. Yeah. It was a and family, a family friendly drag show. Yeah. And um, it was like totally fine and liberal and loving and no funny yeah. business whatsoever. Yeah. That one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> well, if you have anything else to say, let us know. Uh, James. Wait, yeah, was I, that the one, was that the one that Charles went to? I'm going to repost the link. I'm just funning you, Charles. <laughs> I'm going to repost the link in the chat so you guys can look at it. Um, okay, thanks. Yeah, Nate, I think Nate, it's, it's, I, I, Nate, why is it that you think that the those who are, are homosexual want to engage in sex with children? Why do you jump to that? I think they make it abundantly clear. No, I asked Nate. The, uh, I asked Nate. That's okay. Well, just because you asked Nate doesn't mean, you know, someone else can't answer. But hang on. I mean, I, I mean, hang on. I mean, I mean, it doesn't mean that someone else gives an answer. That's an invalid answer. Like, it's a perfectly valid answer. But yeah, I agree. They make it abundantly clear. Like, just look at the look at the new stuff. Like, you know, I understand if some people can't trust themselves to, like, take one step in front of the other because the world may disappear. But I mean, most people have a sense of. of uh, oh, what's the word? Like, have a sense of logic and understanding. And critical thinking, that's the word, uh, phrase. Most people can critically think that if you have parades where people are like, running up to kids, shaking their drunk in front of their faces, having them like touch them all over, have them like sit on like drag queens' laps in story time, and like bouncing up and down on their giant bulges, it, like, it, it's hard to not be graphic about this, but there is a plethora of like video footage. So again, at some point, it doesn't matter what the source is. Like often, whenever I talk about the Bible, I'm like, look, it doesn't matter if Satan himself is doing this, meaning... It doesn't matter if a complete detractor or opponent of Jesus, Christianity, and the Bible is doing something. What they are doing is still valid. So it doesn't matter if, if what, what the source is, if it's a, quote, far-right source or a neutral source. The source doesn't matter if they're giving you, like, just the footage and you're watching it. So whether it's, like, I don't know, Project Veritas, I mean, his isn't this, this is more, like, political stuff. But, I mean, you know, some kind of undercover group, it doesn't matter. Or a lot of the stuff, like, libs of TikTok. Like, remember how much trouble they got in uh, for not posting any of their own opinions? They would just take and curate sources from actual, like, extremely leftist organizations and extremely, like, these people's tweets and videos, and they would put up. So there was nothing from them. People just hated that because she was exposing their own side. So, yeah, there is an abundance of footage, and if someone doesn't, doesn't see that um, – then they're just not looking or they have an agenda and they're like, no, no, no. What you're seeing is not what you're seeing. Are you going to trust your eyes or what I'm telling you? Um, it, it's just, you, you just can't argue it. I mean, clearly you are, but I mean, that's why I think that it's so prevalent. It's so in your face. I want to also throw the concept. The reason why there um, are age limits for even relationships, heterosexual relationships between adults, and young girls is because there's a pregnancy option there, those emotional attachments. So when you have when you have a young boy who can't get pregnant and you already have men, straight or gay, 
you know what I'm saying, who have a desire for a younger person, be it if the person is 17 and he's 32, it's still pedophilia. Like, there, there are young girls who, who are like 17 and date 25-year-old men. It's still pedophilia. But this time, there's no babies attached to it. So it allows for a little bit more freedom when people start thinking, like, this is okay, which is one of the reasons why that that organization, I think it's Nambula, is going after little boys. They can't get pregnant. So we got to always factor all aspects into this and protect the kids. They shouldn't even be thinking about sex in this age. They should be wondering if they like boys or girls. They should be focused on school. And when you have an agenda that says it's okay to like the opposite sex, what, what does that even mean? I tell my daughters, don't like nobody. Like these books. Like that's where the attention needs to be drawn to instead of some sexual revelation and sexual freedom. Like what are we doing? And, and then, I mean, not to mention, like, James, I think you're – you're, well, I don't want to say where I think you are, but I, if you're where I think you are from, I think there's like a, I don't know if these are like laws on the books or they're being they're trying to become laws. Um, but I, I know like I, where I think you're from, or like uh, even the UN, like there's talk about like decriminalizing like like legit pedophilia. So like it, it and it's it's all in consent. So it's like I, I, I'm gonna have to get a source for this because it's it's so flagrant that that it, it honestly takes me aback when people are like, why do you think this? Like, I think it's where, you know, one state for sure, and the United Nations, it's either, like, becoming law, or it's talked about, or it's, like, got a lot of support. Anyway, so the point is, they're trying to, like, make pedophilia legal. So, like, they're, they're taking away any age limits regarding sex, and the only stipulation is if it's consensual. Like, that's why we think that, because that's happening. So it's, like, what possible reason would you have for, for like, you know, the United Nations or, you know, certain states, like, trying to legalize pedophilia and take away the age restrictions. Um, and it's all, well, if, you know, little Susie, who's like nine, wants to consent to having sex with like, you know, this like 30-year-old fat, hairy, bald dude, um, okay, well, she consented. Like, what possible reason would there be for a law in the books like that other than people legitimately want to do this? The solution anyway, I, I, is just to uh, make make sex like properly redefine sex to how it used to be as the tool for procreation and not just for pleasure but like if i had to guess most christians already like see the ground when they say contraception is okay like if you believe contraception is okay defend like you're already giving up the primary ground that needs to be held in order to defend against pedophilia and things like that's an interesting point. And, and just to be clear, yeah, I'm, I'm aware I kind of blurred the lines between, like, we were talking about gay stuff and it moved to pedo stuff, which is not mutually exclusive. I mean, you can mix and match any way you want. But just to say, yes, I recognize that. So, thusly recognize before anyone says I blurred the lines. Yeah, I did it, but it also doesn't make it untrue. Yeah. Nate, uh, if I'm... I don't see where you're going with they're trying to legalize pedophilia. I think that's a big stretch, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm going to look for that source. You guys talk for a minute. That's what they always I find that concerning. I, I find that concerning that it's being put to the point of legalizing engaging in sexual activity with someone who is not of the right mind to have consent at that 
level. I, I really am disheartened that people are thinking this. It's What if she identifies as someone older? You know, she's nine, but she feels like she's like 18. So she identifies as someone older. So now we that, have to take that, her consideration. What if, what if she, if she can cut off. That's a lot of what ifs. That's a lot of what ifs. Hang on, hang on. That's a lot of what ifs. I don't think. I don't, hang on. I don't think. I don't. Oh, hang on, hang on. Wait, Jane, stop. V was talking. We can't even hear her. Like, let her finish what she's saying before you jump in. I just heard her speaking. There are, there are children who are feeling like they're boys. There are children who are feeling like they're girls and they're taking medicine now because they feel that way. So it is a slippery slope. No one would have thought 20 years ago that would have happened. So I don't, maybe you don't have children, maybe you do, but that's something as a parent that you should consider because when kids are able to make those decisions, they can't get tattoos, they can't drink, but they can decide their gender at a young age and be put on medicine to change yeah, your Yeah, hang, hang, so hang, hang on. D. Hang on, D. We were talking, we were talking, we were talking about pedophilia. James, oh, let, the, let the person finish. I'm going there. So what is the difference between I feel at 12 that I'm, 50, I'm 17, 18, I'm mature for my age. I've been a young girl. I felt at 14 that I was like 25, but nobody could tell me anything. I've been a young girl. I know what it feels like. And that's when you get predators attacking you. It's me being 14 with a 25-year-old boyfriend. I understand what it feels like. I'm speaking from experience, and this is what happens when you allow children to make decisions. So at the end of the day, it's a slippery slope. That's all I'm saying. Go and I agree with you. There are children who think they're more mature than they are. That is not making it legal for a 30-year-old to engage in sex with that person. They get arrested for pedophilia. That's all there is to it. I don't see the analogy being true that it's becoming legal. So okay. just because your nine-year-old is going to say, I want to say I'm 18, that doesn't make them 18. That doesn't give them the, the ability to go to the DMV and take a driver's test because they say, hey, I'm identifying as an 18-year-old. I want to take my driver's test. It doesn't work that way. That's okay, so, about boys so this is not the thing I'm thinking of most recently. This is from 2020. So – the thing I'm thinking of goes further, but regardless, here's my point. Um, so in California State Senate, August 31st, 2020, so that's not the thing I'm thinking of now, which is way worse, but this still serves to prove the point. Um, SB, Senate Bill 145, passed. So it's law. Um, okay. So it says, under current California law, um, there's discretion if the minor is uh, – is over 14. So there's nothing about over 18 or someone identifies as 18. This takes it down to 14. So it cannot be a crime if, uh, let's see, the bill, let's see, it equalizes how state law treats cases of statutory rape, regardless of what kind of intercourse, vaginal, oral, anal, as well as digital penetration. Um, anyway, under current law, um, judges have discretion over individuals of a certain, over certain types of sex offender, but this law reduces the age of consent to 14. 
And that was in 2020. So this is not if someone identifies as younger than 18. This is straight up if someone wants to go have sex with someone in California who's, as of 2020, uh, at least 14, then that's totally cool if they consent. Um, the thing I'm thinking about like takes it down much, much lower. But then to the United Nations thing, a quick Google search. Um, this one, and this was the one I'm not sure like if it was trying to become law or if it was an international law, or I don't even know how that works. But the point is, there's like legitimate conversations about the will of the United Nations seeking to do the same thing. So anyways, I, I've just got some quotes here um, from, let's see, what's the source? It's the AMP project, whatever that is. But sexual conduct involving, involving persons below, yeah, you, you can Google the source if you want to read like in context, but some of the quotes from the International Commission of Jurists, sexual conduct involving persons below, uh, this would be uh, children below 18. Um, domestically prescribed minimum age of consent to sex uh, may actually consent to sex uh, even if it's even if it's against the law. So there's just like all these types of type of quotes, like persons under 18 from the International Commission of Jurists um, can participate in decisions affecting them with regard to uh, like sex, age, maturity, and best interests. Um, anyway, it just goes on and on. But there's all these quotes from the people who make international law not to mention the California bill. Um, so to say that's not happening, it's happening. Okay, Nate, let's clarify. Is this 14-year-old wanting to engage in consensual sex with another 14, 15, or even a 16-year-old? Of course or they not. That's never been illegal. Hang on. Or are they wanting to make it okay that this 14-year-old consents to have sex with a 40-year-old? <clears throat> So the uh, 2020 bill, which again is much tamer than the one I'm thinking of, um, but this, and again, I said, I don't know if that was trying to become a law or if it was just a bill or whatever, but this thing that apparently has been a law since 2020 specifically says uh, within 10, 10 years. So that means if someone, uh, someone a 24 year old could uh, totally have consensual sex with a 14 year old and that's just fine. And this is according to the, tame law from 2020 um so yeah the thing i'm i'm thinking about now that if it's not a law it's like seriously being talked about a law goes significantly further than this hopefully most people would say hey that right there is pretty bad so 14 and 24 pretty rough yeah yeah i would not if i was a parent of my 14 year old and my daughter's turning 15 and Thankfully, she and I have a great open conversation and we discuss things like of this nature on a regular basis. So, it, I mean, when it comes to raising kids, I think it's very important to have that level of communication where this kind of confusion doesn't cause an issue. Right. So, yeah, if they approve that and make that legal, that's that that totally ruins the whole uh, the poor seven, 18 year old kid getting arrested or getting a sexual charge against him because he, this person engaged in sex with his girlfriend who was 17 and only the parents get pissed off because they didn't like the guy and now this poor dude has a record right that's that's the idiocracy of the of the system so yeah yeah so i mean i think the the best way to safeguard uh, against this <laughs> is if you're in california move to whoever whoever that would be because and you know now um, now it's like what California has, again, I, I don't know if these are like executive orders from, you know, the, the dear leader there, 
um, or if these are, are legally passed laws. But it's like, you know, if a kid wants to be called, uh, shifting slightly, uh, you know, a kid wants to be called a different pronouns or whatever, or go by a different gender, and the parents don't affirm that, then, you know, the school can, I mean, they can keep that from the parents. So parents are like losing control over their kids. And if the parent disagrees or they find out, then they can become wards of the state because, you know, the, the parent is not affirming their gender. So again, I recognize I shift topics, but I mean, I think, I think we come to an understanding on the last one. So just to keep moving a little bit, California is a cesspool, man. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I used to live there and I liked it. I really liked the area I was in, but there was also, I mean, you know, I recognize it was, I mean, it was already that direction kind of, but a lot of these issues weren't super forefront. The trans issue was not super forefront at the time. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I had to get the heck out of there. Um, and I'm, I'm glad I did. <laughs> like if I was there now, I don't even know, but like, yeah, it, it would be incredibly rough to be a reasonable parent in California. Um, in 2023, I think. I, I don't know. Anyone else? Are we done? Have we run our course? Well, I had a few things to add if uh, nobody else wanted to say anything. <laughs> uh, so the first thing I wanted to add, um, and I think the gentleman, uh, Otis, is gone from the stage now. Uh, but what um, Otis, I mean, to deny that they're, that they're active uh, LBGTQ zealots, they do exist who are uh, propagandizing young people. Uh, I mean, I think you're just denying reality. Uh, that is an actual thing that is happening. And uh, people of faith have every right to stand against that, to resist that, uh, and to, uh, and we're within our rights to use our uh, liberties and freedoms as American citizens uh, to uh, propagandize against what they're propagandizing especially in the name of uh, protecting our children. And before anybody gets any ideas, I have the same energy uh, toward, uh, you know, uh, the proliferation of uh, heterosexual, uh, overt uh, sexuality. Uh, that's why we have ratings on these uh, TV shows and movies and such. Uh, it is an effort. That's why we say parental discretion is advised <laughs> because... Uh, we don't really want our young people, uh, you know, being sexualized and uh, seeing uh, how adults uh, take care of business and seeing uh, what had to happen for them to even get here. <laughs> so there's a such thing as a childhood. And uh, we do most of us, we who are level headed, uh, regardless of our sexual orientation, we who are level headed and well-adjusted uh, human adults uh, do want our children to experience a childhood and that childhood innocency. I mean, when I was these young people's age, uh, the Nintendo Entertainment System had just come out in 1985 and uh, hit American shelves in 1986 and 1987. That was all the craze back then. We were playing Gyro Might. I know I'm dating <laughs> myself. Gyro Might and Duck Hunt. And, you know, that little dog laughing when you miss your shot of the ducks. And, you know, this was a tradition that I grew Hated up in. Dog. 
as a as a yeah, I hated that dog, right? As a country boy growing up in Mississippi, you know, we used to hunt and that's what we did. And we used to uh eat the dinner uh that we killed, and that was just a rite of passage uh for us country folk. Uh so the just to see the sexualization is uh is just it makes me very angry. It makes me very angry. I just think we have every right to 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 oppose that and we should protect our children at all costs so this means you christians you know get on your school boards uh get active in your local politics and uh try to try to stop some of this stuff uh and if it's in somebody else's uh state and county and doorstep make sure it doesn't come to yours and uh that's what i wanted to say thank you i completely agree with that steph Say something. Someone's at my door. <laughs> what? What the heck? Uh, okay, all I heard was he hunted for food and the sexualization is disappointing. So I'm trying to put together what we're talking about. It was a guy, guy named Otis who came in here and asked about his PTR and then it just went left from there. And he was just, he accused Nate of saying gays are not trying to convert straights, which was not what Nate was saying. Um, and then Nate was pretty much saying that there's an agenda to kind of indoctrinate our children. And he was like, that's not happening. And so that's how, that's how the conversation went. Okay, excellent. It's 1030. So I can see things are going well today. Welcome. Have we mentioned baby death yet? Rape and murder. Yeah, it was pretty, it's pretty rough, right? Like there's some things that's just, it's so, man, I don't even know what D said. Like some things are so in your face yeah, bold. and then they just get, and when they get dismissed so, so flippantly, like that's not happening. Like I hate the term gaslighting, but I mean, you know, I guess if that's what it is, that's what it is. So like, you know, this, this guy was, um, was like, you're talking about, you know, the sexualization of children and all this other stuff, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's far-right propaganda. That's far-right propaganda. It's not happening. It's not happening. He's like, where's your sources? I'm like, how about this? How about this? How about the parade, uh, Pride Parade? How about in Toronto? How about in Canada where the cops wouldn't do anything and they said it was, like, legally sanctioned for naked guys to go around kids in the Pride Parade because that's fine. How about in the Austin Strip Club where, you know, kids were told to put money in the strippers of drag queen uh, people's G-strings? Like, how about that? How about all the school indoctrination? How about someone mentioned the school board? Like, it's just like, we can't rattle off examples fast enough. Like, we're like flooding the chat with like sources. And it's like, that's not happening. That's not happening. You're, you're bigots. You're like Westboro Baptist Church. You know, we don't even have to bring in the LGBTQ community. Has anyone seen the Disney Channel lately? Where it's like 14 year old girls with cleavage? Like, why are there 14-year-old girls with push-up bras on the Disney Channel in children's shows? That's that's I want to I want to talk about that first. Who decided that was a good idea? Anyway. Oh, well, uh yeah, I was going to say hey, uh sex sales has been the mantra of uh, advertising uh for a long time now and we've seen the decline of uh, morality in uh, media and so uh, that's a that's a necessary part of that but ultimately the media 
is a reflection of the population. So as the population has become more permissive and pervasive with sexual uh, imagery. And of course, it is our young girls and young women that are being sexualized. And that's always been uh, toxic misogyny. <laughs> At least I thought it was. But for somehow, uh, we've adopted a different standard. Uh, men used to protect uh, their girls and their women. That's that's what we did as men. Uh, we didn't let our girls go to school dressed in a kind of way. Uh, we refused to allow our daughters to be sexualized. And uh, where are those men today? Uh, I don't know. Their attitudes have shifted to where well, I don't mind other people's daughters being sexualized, but not my daughter. So usually if you bring it to a man's house, what about your daughter? But, you know, when we look at uh, these young girls that are being sexualized and young ladies that are being sexualized, and if you got it flaunted, that kind of attitude, uh, you know, that is somebody's daughter. And so you need to think about it like that before you uh, participate in the promotion of it. Yes, Steph. So you accurately uh, called it fun day. <laughs> it, it started with my PTR again. <laughs> like, what is the meaning of that PTR? And uh, the guy increasingly got more and more outraged until I had to help him down. Hey, LSF, what's up? Hey, buddy. How you doing? Good, good. How about yourself? Yeah, good. Morning, so here's now. a question. Hey, hey Steph. Um, so... Quick question. Do you think that um, you can persuade somebody to be gay? Yes. Do um, you, really? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's, it's not what I think. I mean, it's it's what I've observed from, like, uh, I don't mean firsthand, but I mean, like, interviews of people who are gay. And, uh, you know, some of them, like, let's, let's lump trans people in with this, too, by the way, because, you know, again, there is a plethora of evidence. So whether people say, no, they're lying, it's propaganda, they're not really gay or whatever – Whatever. But yes, I, I think people are susceptible. So, uh, yes, in short. So I think through propaganda, through indoctrination, uh, you know, like it, it, it can start young. I think the younger it starts, the easier it is because there's less guardrails, there's less critical thinking ability. So it's like, oh, well, you know, do you, I'm going to be extremely ridiculous here for a minute, but the point is, if you're like, oh, little Timmy, you know, you, you like playing with the dolls? Oh, you like the color pink because it's bright and fun? Uh, you know, well, maybe you also like this. Oh, maybe you like, oh, do you like dresses? Maybe you should try one on. Like, do you like this? I don't know. Um, you know, maybe, do you like playing with boys? Yeah, you like playing with boys? Maybe you like doing other stuff with boys. I mean, this is just how it goes. This is like 101, which is why people in the school boards, uh, you know, meetings are throwing such an uproar because they see this stuff happening to their kids from insane teachers that have an agenda other than teaching math. So, uh, and, and if you hear like some of the popular, you know, people who are like, um, who will give interviews in the past. I don't know any of their names, but again, Google it. It's not a, not a bad word. Um, there will there will be people who say, I think I, I started getting these tendencies, you know, by being homosexual because it was introduced to me and people like suggested this to me. So yeah, just based on what I've observed and watching stuff and listening to people who are either trans or gay or whatever, um, they seem to say definitely, absolutely. And I'm inclined to agree with them. The power of suggestion is pretty powerful. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any... Anyone else want to dig me out of a hole? 
<laughs> I mean, I don't have any evidence or, or an opinion either way. Um, but I, I wouldn't. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they can be persuaded. I agree. And I, I mean, I think there's. Well, I, th I mean, I think there's a whole lot of factors too. Like, I think environmental factors is something that people don't um, do not really consider. Like, I, I, I actually do know one name. It's trans. They're so not homosexuality, but well, like, not mutually exclusive, right? You can be trans and from their perspective. You can be trans and straight, or you can be trans and gay, just to say that. But, I, I mean, I was watching this interview with Blair White, uh, who was on a podcast I watch, and she was the guest. And that's one thing that she talked about a lot, which I, I focus on environmental stuff, because, you know, it seems like whenever people talk to, like, you know, gay or trans or whatever people talk to Christians, then the common thing is, I'm, I'm trans or I'm gay. And then the Christian rebuttal was, no, you're calling God a liar, and God doesn't make mistakes. It's like that that's such like non sequiturs. So it's like has anyone considered that no, you know, it's like God doesn't make uh mistakes, but you know, we're in a fallen world. So if people, you know, get like childhood cancer, it didn't mean God caused that. Like maybe it was chemicals in the water, maybe it was like, you know, BPA that the mother had a healthy diet of like, you know, ingesting stuff with BPA in it or drinking from plastic bottles, and that made the kid predisposed. Or now we're learning, like, you know, I forget Dr. I, I, oh, what's the name? I, I forget the name. But there was some doctor I was watching that was talking about like the, this chemical compound that's like di like different or more prevalent than BPA that in utero, depending on what the mother eats, um, it can like latch on to, to like cells or DNA or I, I don't know this, the technical terms, but it can basically mess with people. So they have a predisposition to their body not forming properly. Like apparently um, – I think I heard someone saying like everyone is technically female when it starts. And like, if you continue the progression, like you turn into male, well, this apparently chemical or whatever can latch onto certain things and inhibit that. So what would have been a male um, is prevented from fully turning into a male, like, you know, as an embryo or fetus or I don't even know at what point, but it prevents that transformation from happening. So it leaves the, the kids stuck. So they're like stuck, like in between, which no, of course, that's not God making a mistake. And that's, that's not just saying like anything else like that, that would very much be attributed to an environmental factor anyway. So that in the interview, that's like the Blair white person was saying is yeah. Like they think they could have been born this way. They think, you know, their body could have been this, but they were presenting options. They're like, I totally think it could have been environmental. Um, and then other people will say it could have been suggested. It could have been because, you know, people are like, well, here, I, I knew I liked the color pink and I like playing with boys, but that didn't mean I wanted to make out with them, but people told me maybe I should anyway. So taking all of this cumulative data, I, I, I like options. I just think when people like get pigeonholed in like one thing, like, oh, you think it's only environmental or you think it's only God makes mistakes or you think it's only. No, I think it's very, a very difficult position to be like one size fits all. I think it's much more reasonable and accurate to think, uh, yeah, there's lots of reasons this stuff could happen. D, yeah, I interrupted you. You were saying something, D. I don't really, I was just going to say, I agree, Nate. I agree. Yeah, Nate, I disagree with you saying, like, if uh, someone sees a child who likes the color pink, that they're going to say, oh, maybe you want to have sex with a guy. That's a big stretch there, Nate. I'm not saying everyone said that. I certainly wouldn't say that. I don't think you'd say that. But are you saying there are not people out there with an agenda who would take that progression? Like, I, I mean, that's that's like, again, the brouhaha, 
like at oh, is it Chapel Hill? That's that's another like infamous one for school board meetings. Like where they'll like get teachers like saying, or maybe that was libs of TikToks. Um, but they'll like get teachers saying like how happy they are and how they're bragging. Like I've changed this kid's pronouns today, or I've done this. So so just to say that there's no person in this world, which automatically should be, you should be throwing your hands and be like, okay, I'm sure there's someone somewhere. Um, but to say there's no one that has an agenda or has like is a minor attracted person who would start suggesting that and getting a kid on that course, like, oh, why why do you think you want to try on your sister's dresses? Oh, maybe you like that. And they would like take joy and pleasure in leading them down that path up until the point where they're doing some really messed up illegal stuff. That's crazy to me to think that and, and maybe now you would say, OK, I'm sure there's somebody out there that would do this and they're probably in jail for it. Um, yeah, I mean, for evidence, I would just say if Libs of TikTok is not like perma banned yet, just peruse that. And again, if people are like, it's far right propaganda. No, literally, the, the whole existence of that channel is this conservative person taking other far left media and just posting it so conservative eyes can see it. That's all it is. So they're not doing original stuff. So I would say that is a great source for, for this whole discussion. Like it's full of it. All the scoreboard meetings, all the people bragging on their Instagrams and social media channels about how they're doing this type of thing. Like I'm a teacher and I'm like, you know, maybe not in these exact words, but like I'm converting your children or I'm doing what we're talking about here, for example. Like that is a great resource to see all of that. And if you haven't yet, I think you're like, holy crap. <laughs> I don't want my kid going anywhere near that teacher or that school. Hey, Joanna, what's up? Welcome. Are you speaking, Joanna? Three, two, one. All right, Steph, back to you. Do you have some real... I just got a... That knock at my door was a realtor who has this big presentation. They're like, come down the road. It's a free lunch. It's a free lunch. It's on Sunday. Come see this presentation. I'm like, are, are they trying to sell me a house? Like, I already have a house. I'm three houses away. They're like, come down here, blah, blah, blah. And this thing's like, check out the market value in your area. So maybe they're trying to like kick me out of my house. Maybe they're trying to like buy it for pennies and dollars. No, no, they're trying if, to if they persuade think... you that the value of your house in Florida has increased like exponentially. They're going to give you a price per square foot of what you could sell for today. They're just going to try to get listings and then they're going to give you lunch. And then they want to make the housing yeah, market what? is impossible. The housing market is impossible. And, and you then know what else they get? Yeah. I mean, maybe, right? And, and, you know, James, to your point, I mean, I, I haven't heard of this in about the real, realtor world. I mean, you know, realtor world, world. Maybe I should do a hidden camera <laughs> and be like, I'm like pink. What are you going to do with that? <laughs> so, you know, the chances of that are pretty slim. Yeah. But, um, you know, if they tried, I would definitely let you know. But what they did do, instead of trying to make me gay, was they gave me a jar opener. So um, I guess I that is supposed to. Uh, Steph. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, got... okay. Steph, I had a... Yeah, it's got the... called... Those are called... Before you had a... Buys. So when you have agents show up at your house, it's called a pop buy, and it's something that the brokerage tells them to do, and they usually come with a little trinket or, like, some kind of little bag of popcorn or, like, you know, I don't know. I'm in commercial. We don't do that. Residential agents are weird. Yeah, resident residential oh. will take care of the new house showing, especially ones that are building for new builders. That one will be taken care of mostly, especially the event coordination by them. The only thing that the commercial would really have to do would just be bringing the people there, putting the advertisement out to be like, hey, 
there's a new listing, new showing here, and then showing up there. But most of the time, like 90% of them don't even qualify because they won't even reach pre-qual standards with their credit score. So they're going to see a house they can't even afford anymore. Yeah, I mean, well, the point I mean, is, I if you want, like if you want to get my, the point is, if you want to get my business, give me something a little better than a jar opener. That's the point. Also, Steph, question for you, since you are the in-house real estate person, why is it that there's nothing in the area that I live close to that's under fifteen hundred for rent for a one-bedroom, one-bath apartment? Because you're in a liberal city. Be- get out. Because with interest rates going so high. Anyone who has purchased a new building or refinanced recently has a much higher mortgage than they would normally, which uh-huh. generally pushes the uh, rent up because now they have to cover their expenses. So if their mortgage at 3% was $1,500, then at 7%, it's going to be $2,300. So if that's on a duplex, they have to bump up the rent on yeah. both units. And so then what happens is if you have, say, you've got four blocks with 30 houses in it, and you know even eight of those houses were purchased recently... Um, then, uh, let's say it's 30 rentals and eight of those rentals were purchased recently. Now those guys are all renting at $2,000 a month per unit. The neighboring property, Hey, that guy's getting $2,000. So my $1,300 apartment is now. Right. Yeah. Cause like we're trying to, we're trying to find places to move to. Cause it's, uh, me and my fiance, we're looking for an apartment that's close to, and it's, and it's difficult because the apartment has to be close to the college that we're attending together. The issue is student housing bumps up all those prices by like 500 to a thousand. Right. So then us looking at all the places that are like somewhat reasonable that aren't in student housing locations, all for like even one bedroom, one bath is all like 1750, 1500 and up now. And it's fucking insane. My bad. Excuse my friend. Well, what the heck? Good Calvinist beer drinking, Bubby. Um, are you, <laughs> are you utilizing any student loans? Uh, All right, I got about 30 more seconds for Bubby's real yeah. estate help. Are you good. jacking up with private. your girlfriend too? Yeah, I don't, I don't have any more, uh, I don't have any student loans at the moment. The only, th- but the only places that we do see, uh, the ones that aren't taking cash only are mostly just doing conventional loans All if right, they want blah, to. Blah, blah. Okay, here's what you do because Nate's going to cut us off. I have, I, I get it. I could talk to you more about this. See, I'm in real estate now and I'm a student housing specialist, but I spent three years working at my financial aid office, so I am uniquely uh, able to. Okay, so what you do is, I think Florida is one of the states that allows emancipation. So if you go to your school and you like New York didn't, so I emancipated and it was a very hard process here. But I think Florida does. So go to your school and prove that you're financially independent if you can, and which is things like showing that you have a grocery bill. Or, yeah. for example, when you get married, like if you and her, which you should probably do if you're moving in together, go to the courthouse like tomorrow and don't tell anybody and then have your big, huge wedding later. Like do that. OK, because the second you marry, that counts as emancipation. Now your school will see both of you as financially independent. They'll see your income as zero. Your financial aid will skyrocket. You'll get a ton of free money. Or if you don't get a ton of free money, which you will in the state of Florida, you can also go and take out plus loans, which are much lower interest rate than student federal loans. So take out plus loans for your housing and pay your rent. There you go. It helps too that dad is a mortgage uh, lender and broker too. So that also helps (laughs) with both of my parents. Well, Chris and I are happy to know that we're we're funding Bubby's uh, rent and education. Yep. Right. Okay. Now, Bubby, here's here's what you need to do. Okay. I'm going to tell you seriously. No, quiet. Bubby. Go marry this girl. Go to the courthouse. I'm, I'm serious, okay? This will solve multiple spiritual and financial problems. Go marry her at the courthouse and don't tell anybody. 
but the state will see that you're married. Just go do it. And you're going to qualify for tons and tons and tons of free aid. The rest of your tuition will be free for both of you. Go do that. But wait, is that, is that a good reason to get married though, Steph? Just no, they're already engaged. Like they've been engaged for the past. Oh. Six months. Yeah. The, the, only re- the, only reason that we're the only reason that we're holding out is because if we list as independence right now, we're taking off of all our family's health insurance and everything else of that. And we don't have the money to cover that at the moment. So we're waiting until we have. Oh, you're cutting out. This is a sign from God. Okay, Bubba, you're cutting out. Uh, Steven, what's up, Steven? I agree with Steph. Go get married, you devil. Steven, what's up, man? How are you? Uh, you know, if I've grown a kick it. What? Huh? I said I'm not pushing up daisies, man. It's a good day. All right. Oh. All right. <laughs> uh, got anything on your mind? Yes. Question, comment? Uh, you know, uh, well, what was the topic in this room? We've got answers. Uh, da, 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 da. No, not really. Just like. Well, all right. If you got anything to say, let us know. Oh, I'm, I'm sure I'll find something to say at some point. With all that was said, were you really listening? Because you didn't respond to what's been talked about. That's kind of well. Actually, actually, to to be honest, I'm getting my child ready for school, and you guys are just like kind of like you know the talk radio. Record noise. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Gotcha, man. Participate participation talk radio. Well, what about you, Aaron? What's up, Aaron? What's on your mind? Hey, not too much. Um, just been thinking over something about um, the word will and the verses in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane when Jesus is praying to his father and saying, not my will be done, but yours. So I've been asking this question and trying to understand uh, how many wills are there? Is there one will? Or is there two wills? Of God? We got Will, William, Bill. There's a couple of different wills. When Jesus says, not my will be done, but yours, and in Jesus' yeah. ministry, he's doing his Father's will. So is there one will, or is there two wills? Well, Jesus is full. we believe, Jesus is fully God and fully man. So, like, you know, he definitely, you know, the Bible says he was tempted in every way, just as we are, but didn't sin. So there is a flesh and blood, you know, like, want, will, you could say, of Jesus. So whenever he's saying this stuff— uh, yeah, like, you know, he says, if it's possible, let this cup be taken from me. But if not, your will be done. So obviously, you know, Jesus would prefer uh, there being another way. But if you reconcile it with the rest of the Bible, like Philippians 2, 6 says, you know, Jesus being in nature, God didn't consider this to be taken advantage of, but instead he humbled himself and, uh, you know, took the form of a servant. And, you know, other places it says he, he doesn't do anything of his own. He only does what he sees the father doing. So there's one will of God, which Jesus is totally part of, yet in his human nature, you could say this is a temptation to not do this, to not do the will of God. But he says, nonetheless, let your will be done. So and, and it's not like he didn't know this was going to happen. Like we're told in Revelation, like from the foundation of the world, uh, you know, Jesus was the lamb that was slain. So this was always going to be the plan and he was always going to go through with it. Still, you can see the humanity of Jesus saying, well, look, not my will, not my you know, not like giving into temptation or anything like that, but your will be done. So the will that he was always uh, sharing and submitting to and agreeing with, yet even though he says he could call legions of angels to wreck the place and get him out of there, but he didn't do that. Okay, so let 
me ask you this. Do individuals, like do you, myself, right, do we have our own will? Yeah. Okay, and this will is separate from God's will, right? Yeah, I, I mean, the, Christ, the idea of the Christian is to line up with God's will and make your will in sync with God's will. But yeah, you have your own mind, will, emotions. You, you can do what you want. So did Jesus Christ, right, son of God, while he, he walked in the flesh in his ministry, did he have his own will? Yeah. I mean, I believe he had the full, full will of a human being, just like we do. But he was also God, so he was synced up with God's will. Okay, I've heard, see, I've heard this answer differently by different people. I've heard some people just say, yes, Jesus has one will, and that is the divine will and the human will, but they're one will. And I've heard other Christians say, no, he has two wills, <clears throat> two wills, his, his human nature and his divine nature. I don't know if you land in one of those two camps or you have. Uh, I think, I think well, we I'm, final well, thing I could Hold on, Bobby, you're interrupting and still choppy. Uh, I, I want to hear what you have to say, but give me a second. I wouldn't push back too hard on either one of those because there's room to navigate both of them. So, I mean, whenever you say he has two two natures, a, God, a human nature and a divine nature, and then you, if someone conflates those with wills, that would be one question I'd have. But no, I mean, either way, I wouldn't push back too much on either one of those positions because the way you navigate either one of those, you can end up being say, you, you can end up saying the same thing. Uh, Bubby, if we can hear you, I'd like to hear you. But you're still a little shy. Yeah, I, try again. Can, am I clear yet or no? Uh, yeah, that was good. Okay, so the only thing I was going to add in there is that there, you pointed it out what I was trying to say earlier, that there's a big conflation happening here. We're not supposed to say, like, is it one or two wills because he has uh, one or two natures, et cetera, et cetera. We can't conflate the categories of wills and natures within the same thing because one of them, I, I would say, is more of an ontological thing. The other one is more of an epistemic. Okay, what if this question is not about will? Um, what if it's that... Christ, who was God, fully divine, was also fully man, and now had human flesh and didn't want to be crucified, right? And he's saying, not my will, but your will. It's like, wh why is it so complicated to think that he's like, dude, I don't want to do this because he's human also. You know what I mean? Like there's, he has the human flesh and a very unpleasant experience in front of him. It's, it's not like a, I don't know if it's necessarily a problem that he didn't desire this. Also, just really quick, because uh, Kevin did point this out in chat, and I think it's something important to bring up. Read Chalcedon. Um, one will in Christ's heresy. It's called monothelitism. Same thing with one uh, with one nature, monophysitism, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Just as a precaution, just in case when we pick out our word. Yeah, I, I agree, and also I mean. What I said, which Bubby doubled down on, which I'll triple down on, I, I can't stress enough that most people, including very much myself, but I mean, you know, I, I still have these conversations regularly, but when I do, my, my brain just bleeds out my ears when it gets into super, super deep terminology. Like, no matter how much I hear it, I can't latch onto it. So, I mean, I, I would extend a lot of grace if someone's like, well, it's the one, the one will of God, and then they, like, explain it, and while everyone's like, that's heresy, that's heresy, the way they explain it is like, two natures or you know if someone says it's natures and that's will are they conflating them like mistakenly conflating them um so i, I would extend a lot of grace um 
anyway, I guess that's all it says, but I agree with Bubby. I wanted to say another thing real quick also that uh, when it comes to, like, this idea, is there one will, is there two wills, within the divine nature there's one will. Within the divine nature, there's one will because the the three persons are not put into an argument with each other over what to do. Right? They're all going to be in agreement with each other. The Father's going to agree with Jesus. Jesus is going to agree with the Father. The Father's going to agree with the Holy Spirit. Jesus will agree with the Holy Spirit, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? So all of this, they're all working together. It's not like one is going to be thinking, "I want to get pizza today," and the other one's going to be thinking, "Actually, I want wings." And then God and the Son start having an argument about whether they want pizza or wings. That's not how it happens. Yeah, totally agree with Bubs. That's a great point. And that's where I I start to, I get a little bit lost in trying to follow the logic about the Trinity. Like the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and one will. But then we have a verse where Jesus Christ is praying to the Father. And there appears to be, appears to be, not the same will. Because he is saying, not my will be done, but yours. And in some ways you could say, you know, the Son has one will with the Father, but then you have in the body of Jesus Christ. And then that's where people start to lose me with talking about either natures or essences or I, I have trouble tracking it. And I'm trying to understand genuinely. I'm trying to understand this position. That one won't track. So no matter how hard you try it, uh, it's, for not reference, your heretic, Bob is a heretic. His va- his answer is not valid, Aaron. Just take that in mind. It's like listening to a calculus answer from a biomed major. You're not going to get anything useful. Oh, who let Bob up here, man? Oh my gosh, you don't even know what a jar opener is. It's one of those like rubbery things that like it's like a rubber circle, and you like put it over the top of a jar lid, and you like it helps you grip it so you can turn oh. it. I thought you were just saying can opener wrong. It's, it's, no, I've it's, never it's, wow. Don't you just call that the lid of a jar, not a jar opener? Huh? Isn't that just... No, it's the rubber... The lid of a jar? No, the lid of a jar is a lid of a jar. It's it's a like a rubbery... Does no one know what I'm talking about? No, because not... everybody has man strength to actually open the jars without a jar opener. I don't need a jar opener. I was given a jar opener. With the defense that you're giving of jar openers, it sounds like you actively use one. <laughs> I don't. I don't open. A, I mean, you know, I don't buy a lot of things that require opening jars. Um, but no, like, well, you not here like the realtor person open. You know, I open the door and they hand me this packet and it's a jar opener. So it's basically just a giant. It's like a mouse pad. Think of like oh, okay. a mouse pad, like ha- half the size of a mouse pad that's very thin and it's very rubbery and spongy. So you just throw this thing on top of a jar. And you use it to grip. Oh, like you grip okay. I think underneath. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think? Oh my gosh! I think you're so young. I, I think, yeah. I, I wasn't born in the late 1900s. I'm sorry. That's a stiff time at heart. Um, anyway, that's what it is. So it's a thin, rubbery thing you put on top of a jar, and you you squeeze the jar lid through this thing, and and it just makes the jar like really, really easy to grip. So if it's like slippery or has oil on it or it's wet. I'd like to say thank you to you, Nate, for now giving me a clip of you angrily saying, it's a jar opener. <laughs> oh, you know, I do what I can. I've now added to my Nate clip collection. Oh, what was the one Chris got me yesterday? Oh, it was great. I, oh, I forget it. He, he sent it to me. If anybody has clips from the Ask a Christian room that they'd like to send in, please uh, back channel me. I'll provide you my numbers so you can send them over to me. I'm collecting clips of every person. I have an extensive clip collection. Please. Um, 
if Catherine wants me to mail it to her, um, you know, it'd probably be tw uh, cheaper just to like go to Walmart and buy one for like a dollar than it would be to mail it to you. All right, Prophetess Steph, it's that time. <laughs> well, thanks everyone for the fun discussion. I will uh, leave you now. It's time to go forage for some food. All right, but Steph, accept the wave. Oh, wait, are we closing this? Okay. All right, Nate, close the room. Bobby wants to do some chatting on it. <laughs> yeah, you, you give him all the, uh, all the real estate advice and then, uh, and, and then uh, give, him, give him more advice about keeping him from sin. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. What a bad Dutch Reformed Calvinist. True. I'm just doing what God told me to do. Go oh, get married. Yep. Bye. <laughs>